Jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. This is the Hagman and Hagman Report for today. It is Thursday, January 21st, 2016. I suppose you all need to know, be reminded what day it is, right? I think uh, what day it is. Yeah, I, I do believe that to be the case. Uh, we're coming to you live, ladies and gentlemen, from our radio and television studios here located in beautiful the tundra that is northwest Pennsylvania, where we're heard live every weeknight, which is Monday through Friday for those people with Issues about that uh, from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on the Global Star Radio Network. It's the place to be, folks. Global Star, the place to be. Best sound quality, wonderful sound quality in a far reach. Man, if you if you see the map about uh, Global Star's reach, you can see where we're heard uh, basically, you know, well, worldwide, folks. And we're also simulcast on Blog Talk Radio. You can also watch us on YouTube, links to each audio and video broadcasting venue can be found at our home base on the internet at hagman and hagman.com and what we're doing and we're in the midst of this we're uh, also bringing up hagmanreport.com and homelandsecurityus.com but the hagman report is going to be where the news articles are hagman and hagman just merely for show information to watch the show live to hit archived shows and so on more on that later I'm Doug Hagman at the helm with fellow investigator, researcher, and most importantly, my son, Joe Hagman. Together, we are the Hagman and the Hagman Report. It's what I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. We dig deep into, oh, the forbidden topics of, well, the topics of the corporate mass media. The Illuminati-controlled corporate mass media won't. And, you know, it's funny because uh, we, we were talking earlier about uh, about the Illuminati-controlled mass media. And what is that? Is the Illuminati just some sort of a fanciful delusion of the um, conspiratorial uh, uh, right or conspiracy theorist uh, pejoratively? No, it's not. You know, it, it's a group of uh, power. You know, it's a group of, small group of, ever diminishing group or consolidating group, I should say, of, of power elite. Portions of the nice broadcast, ladies and gentlemen, brought to you by WholeTonesLive.com. That's WholeTonesLive.com. Oh, man. Uh, folks, if you haven't heard of Whole Tones Live, it's a wonderful service they provide. And I gotta tell you, we, we use, we're, we're customers of Whole Tones Live. You know, if you're sick and tired of being stressed and overwhelmed and seemingly overwhelmed and, and it's just like everything's kind of coming together all at once and you're really stressed out, turn off the televisions and turn on Whole Tones Live, the products from there. Uh, you can experience the scientifically proven powers of musical therapy with WholeTonesLive.com. It's a collection of proven music therapy um, that can. It actually it does help you reduce stress. It helps you think clearer. It eases your mind. It, it can even act to motivate you. Different frequencies do different things, and it's proven. It's it's been. You know, there's healing music. There's music that re- reduces anxiety and stress. Folks, go to WholeTonesLive.com. 
wholetoneslive.com. More on that later in the show. Uh, we have a great show for you planned for tonight. Uh, we don't have any guests coming on. We are going to be talking about certain um, certain news items that will affect, and well, it's coming. I mean, World War III is is in full battle status, I suppose. It just hasn't gone hot, has it? Uh, anyway, we're going to be talking about the important parts of World War III. And Joe, you know, you've done a lot of research on this. Let's uh, let's kind of give an outline of what we're going to be talking about tonight. Absolutely. And the uh, title of the show, War on All Fronts, is really a title to, and it, it deals with war in two ways, the overt war uh, and overt wars versus the subtle wars. Um, we see that the, and a great example of this is the spiritual war that we're going to be and are constantly in, um, is subtle to, to most, overt to some, and we see the increasing um, and rising tensions and the veil thinning in that spiritual war as it's becoming more overt to many. Um, this is just one area of, you know, we're going to get into tonight. We have a war on uh, the economic uh, policies, a war on, on money, really, um, a war on people using money um, that is overt and subtle. And that comes from, you know, uh, the government. It comes from the, the oligarchs and the bankers. We have a physical war for geographical and uh, other resources in in the world and on different parts of the globe. So we're going to be going over the different parts of what World War Three will look like. And is World War Three what some would say uh, Armageddon and what will be um, in happening in the end? Will it be a world war that, that ends it all? I say no. Um, I don't believe it's going to be Armageddon at all. I say we have World War Three before we have the return of Jesus and the thousand-year millennial reign. And I say we have a separate conflict that ushers that in also. Very, but, um, very astute of you. We'll get into that uh, here in just a bit. You, you know, if, if I can, just... I know, do you have audio? Can you hear me in your headphones? Yeah. Okay. Can I you can't hear, hear me? You. No. Why not? I don't know. And it's okay, since... Uh, I could hear Todd talking uh, before the show, and Is I could hear you on? sitting next to me. I guess I don't need to hear you in the headphones, just to want to know what was going on. Huh. Well, no. Yeah, you know, speaking of war, and and this is something, um, this is something that, that I think is is important to me anyway. I mean, I think it's important to everybody. Um. To set the backdrop, I mean, the war that we're facing right now, war on all fronts, obviously the title speaks for itself, but the thing about this, ladies and gentlemen, um, we are fighting various, uh, we are fighting this this war, and it's a long war. We are fighting this on, on different fronts, obviously, from the title, meaning different theaters of operation. Remember, during World War II, we had... Uh, well, what did we have? We had the Pacific Theater. We had the uh, European Theater. The same here, except that the, the fronts are, are even more uh, disparate, even more in number as well as disparate uh, type of uh, fronts. Now, having said that, it's very interesting. One of the one of the casualties 
I believe, of war. This war that we're fighting is something that um, I had numerous conversations on the telephone with people today, and it's something that, that I believe is very insidious to this war. Now, now think of that word insidious, and I use that extremely. I, I mean, I believe that's that's that to be what we're seeing right now is insidious. To set the stage for what I'm going to be just talking about briefly here, uh, Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer, America's coach, actually, he went to Tennessee this past week. And and he, he, he the reason he went to Tennessee is because they were debating down there about bringing up a bill to outlaw homosexual marriage because you see states still have rights and um, this is a very important part in the war in which we're fighting right now is the war against Christians and it's a war against morality and it's a war against um, evil and it's a war against God by those who are adherent to the evil but the insidious part you never expect people on your own team to go off the rails, right? You never expect people who are your friends, your allies, the, the, the guy next to you in the foxhole to frag you. <clears throat> you don't expect that, nor should you. We're all on the same team, right? And I often think of the book Blood on the Altar perhaps one of the most prescient books now with respect to Christians going after Christians and Christians being in the in the crosshairs. I mean, not only are we in the crosshairs of the non-Christians, the Muslims, the pagans, the Satanists, but we're in the crosshairs of other Christians. And when I first heard Dave Dobbenmeyer's <clears throat> video, he was actually in, the, in this vehicle. It's only a one-minute video. And, and, he, and he said a couple of things about his experience in Tennessee. And it made me think. It made me think about everything that's gone on over the last year, two years, whatever it might be. And the increase, the increase in the taking out one's own fragging the the friendlies I don't know how else to describe it so with your permission ladies and gentlemen and Eric if we can cue up Dave Dobbenmeyer's video have a listen, have a look well good morning friends Coach Dave back in Ohio picked up a little bit of a cold got a real hoarse voice here this morning back from Tennessee and the fight for traditional marriage. Uh, we lost that fight yesterday's committee four to one when the committee did not vote to send it to the floor where it would have won for sure. And as usual, the greatest enemies are those of our own household. David Fowler, a leader of one of the pro-family groups down there in Tennessee, did everything he can could to protect the Republicans and keep the bill from coming to the floor. Uh, one proud, I say that tongue in cheek, one proud representative stood up and 
told everybody in the room that uh, he was a proud Christian man and he didn't even need to ask the Lord what to do on this bill. And then he voted for homosexual marriage. That's the stuff we're fighting against. But the fight goes on. This is just the first round. A lot of times, uh, heavy blows hit, hit dealt in the first round and it shows up later. So we'll keep fighting. Appreciate all of you standing with us. Uh, if we fought like this in 1973, babies wouldn't be being killed today. So God bless you. Keep close to the, to the videos. We'll keep shooting them out. God bless you. All right. You heard the words of Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer. God bless that man. That, that That's one guy I, I want in the foxhole next to me when the bullets start flying. That's one guy that that has a lot of um, a lot of integrity and a lot of I mean you know what um you're never going to you're never going to keep coach Dave Dobmeyer down ptsalt.com ptsalt.com and I would urge everyone to support his ministry. I mean this is this is a guy on the front lines but and he's doing a fantastic job. He is changing the landscape of this country. I mean that is one guy <laughs> That is actually changing single-handedly the landscape of this country, and you know he's not letting a defeat get him down. He's not letting a uh, you know he, he's he's like the Energizer Rabbit. And, but the reason I brought this up, and then I'm gonna we're just gonna open this. Uh, Joe and I are gonna open this for for our discussion. But the reason I, I brought this up is I want to set the stage. We are facing war on all fronts, and one of the things that that we need to understand, I believe, is that. You know, none of us are perfect. None of us, and we're all, we're all just, like Joe and I, we're just a couple of guys searching for the truth and trying to make a difference, trying to fight for what's right. We are going to make mistakes. But there is this intentional, um, subversion going on right now within the body of the church. And Dave Dobmeyer hit this right on the head. You know, I mean, it's coming from within. It's coming. The general, and I'm not going to repeat the names, or, or you know, but, but but you heard what he said about the uh, about those supposedly on his side, on our side, on the side of traditional marital values, tanking the vote. Didn't even get a committee in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. All right, so. There's really three different issues. There are, I'll just boil it down to two issues here. There's the fight itself, and then there is the subversion from within. And let me tell you what's at stake here, because right now we are we are just a mere, I believe, months, maybe a year, maybe two years away from uh, the the pastors in this country and Christians in this country being brought up on criminal charges of hate speech against homosexuals. Now, you might think, well, I got some emails, and every time I speak about two things, Nazis and homosexuals, I get the most vile emails and the most vile packages. Not so much with Nazis, but homosexuals. But I'm going to put this out there. This is not just about homosexuals. This is about something bigger than than just homosexuality. But it all starts at that that weak link. That it all starts at that at that opening that the homosexual sodomite issue provides. Now, 
think about this. Maybe next year at this time, Joe and I might not be able to talk like this. Because there will, maybe next year at this time, there will be laws in place where we cannot speak about homosexuality. Well, they can put the laws in place. It doesn't mean that we're going to follow them. It doesn't mean that we're going to follow them. God bless you. Eric just sneezed out there. But that doesn't mean that we're going to follow them, but it does mean that uh, they can bring us up on criminal charges. So are we going to be, are we going to be doing the, these broadcasts from behind bars? That's, I'm just throwing this out there, but I do believe that we are months, maybe a year, maybe two years, I don't know, but short, a very short period of time where talking, um, we could, we could be brought up on charges and certainly the pastors, especially of 501c3 corporations, could be brought up on charges of hate speech against homosexuals for talking about them. I believe that we will see attempts made to shut down churches. And Bibles will be removed from public libraries because of what the scriptures say, what the Bible says about homosexuality. I believe that to be the case. That's coming. There was a study released by the First Amendment Center recently. The majority of Americans believe that gay, that sodomite, equality trumps religious objections. 52% of Americans believe that businesses providing wedding services to the public can be required by the government to provide services to same-sex couples, even if the business owner has a religious objection to same-sex marriage. Isn't that interesting? When two cherished rights clash, folks, the right to be free from discrimination and the right to follow the dictates of religious conscience, society must make choices, painful choices, that inevitably uh, uphold one at the expense of the other. This according to Charles Haynes, the director of the Religious Freedom Education Project. According to the latest numbers, most people in this country believe that our commitment to non-discrimination must trump religious objections to homosexuality in the public square of America. Okay, think about that for a moment. So, this is when the tolerant show their intolerance. And and please understand, this is not just merely about sodomite marriages, which is an oxymoron. This will extend on all fronts. This is a war that will extend and incorporate and encompass all fronts. It's going to encompass not just homosexual or sodomite unions. It's going to encompass pedophilia. It's going to encompass any type of perversion, sexual perversion there is. You already have the slaughterhouse, as Steve Quayle calls it, you know, the washroom now for transgendered or, I would say, gender-confused individuals. That's my house. Get it the hell out of my house. That's your house. Get it the hell out of your house. Everyone should be, you know, we should be demanding as Christians and as citizens. I don't care what stripe, but enough is enough. Enough is enough because we won't have the ability, folks, to have these conversations, at least with this level of candor. Soon you won't be able to say, you know what? 
homosexuality and sodomy is a choice. It is not a genetic predisposition. You're not going to have that choice. And if if you dare say that, you're going to do so at the expense of whatever you own and at the expense of your freedom. Don't think for a moment that, that the people who are being installed in the Department of Justice are are on your side or on our side. No, 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 no. Or, or that they haven't been vetted for these very issues. And that includes the nine terrorists or five of the nine uh, uh, terrorists in black robes sitting in that uh, Supreme Court building in D.C. Now, I'm not, I'm not, this is not a rant. This, to me, this is an informative and important aspect. So, you've got to look at what is at stake here. You can't sit behind a keyboard, or you can't live on the Internet. If you, if you never go outside and you live, you live vicariously through your Internet, or, you know, seeing just merely a, a screen, and, and you're not in the real world, you you got a lot of problems. <laughs> but it's more than, than the homosexual aspect, but that this is a big one. It's a big win. June 26th of 2015 was a big win for the communist, Marxist, Satanist, pagan people. Okay? It was a big win. And it was the door that opened up all of the rest of the perversions. Now, Dave, uh, Dave Dobmar said, uh, hey, you know, 73, if we would have fought this hard in 73, we wouldn't have 4,000 casualties per day of innocence. And the blood every day keeps keeps flowing. And everyone just nods and says, it's okay. But see, this is what's at stake here. And you know this, ladies and gentlemen. You do know this. I don't have to... to uh, th- this is not a... a, a this is not a, a sermon. This is not a, a, a speech. But but it's, a, it's an exposure to something even more nefarious. If if you look at what, uh, for example, if you look at the tragic assault on religious liberty, look at other nations that have gone down the road of sodomite marriage. That's when it gets when it gets enforced, and I mean fully enforced. You're going to see pedophilia. You're going to see all levels of perversion but as it becomes even more enforced you're going to see Christian pastors who decline to perform gay marriages you're going to see people speaking out and preaching biblical truths on America and they will be the people who will be imprisoned they will be the people who will be fined we've already seen this yeah well I was watching a few different I watched a few different documentaries today on YouTube about the uh, certain people and and ministries different opinions on the end times and armageddon and the alien agenda and manipulation yep and one thing i saw from chuck missler saying is he said that uh for a while as a bible student he didn't understand how it says in the bible that the whole world at the end will fight against god uh, (laughs) before the thousand year millennial reign of jesus right he didn't understand how the earth would be mobilized to fight against God. And he went on to explain now that he sees the, the alien agenda and how this is playing out, how there could be, you know, aliens 
that are that are demons in reality <clears throat> pose as alien saviors and tell us of a coming enemy which mobilizes all people toward the fighting of that enemy that's right um but just to hear him him say that just there's a few different parts of a few documentaries I watched today that put things into perspective <laughs> and we've been <coughs> so uh, mentally manipulated and deceived we're so far behind the eight ball we are and 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 we you know you don't ladies and gentlemen you don't need example after example after example you know court cases you, you know the court cases you know the photographer the baker the candlestick maker who who have been said who have been forced into going against their religious objectives uh, objections um or 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 very simply forced to close their doors and, and you might you might see uh people on the internet saying well boy you know the baker uh, or the pizza shop owner or whatever it might be um you know they had a gofundme page and they raised all kinds of money yeah that's fine for one or two or three cases but what about when it gets down to pastor number 568 no there's not going to be any any support there the erosion of support is is amazing and it, it's it's it gets tiring after a while but but this is what we're in for war on all fronts now the war against morality is an issue but the other issue is it would what dave dobmeyer had talked about war from within okay the guy the 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 family council man who was who was who said no we're not you know who 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 failed to support this measure was protecting the republican party well that's that's getting fragged by your own side basically and and this is what the fracturing of the republican party is all about but even more to the point, this is what the fracturing of the church is all about. Now, I'm not a pastor, and I'm not a minister, and I can tell you one thing. You could not pay me enough money to be a pastor or a minister. You, there's no way you couldn't pay me enough money. I wouldn't be good at it anyway. But just just from a bird's eye view, from what I see in the in the church, oh, man. The church has got to get its act together, and and you know I, I've seen more, more infighting and, and more uh, name calling from self-professed uh, professed Christians I've ever seen before in my life. I just I told Steve I said you know what, if I, if I was an outsider looking in at different situations, I, I would I would honestly say if if this is what Christianity is all about, sign me up for Buddhism. It, again, this is. Don't take this the wrong way. For those people out there who are listening to this and who are inclined to email me saying, you know, oh, you, you said this. No, no, listen to, listen to the intent here. Listen to the context. How does our enemy envision us? If we are fighting against immorality, if we are fighting a war on all fronts and we cannot get ourselves together, rally ourselves in, in the name of Christianity like this, like this guy did in, in Tennessee... That Dave Dahmer was talking about. 
in, in fighting against their own, his own, fighting against one another. How are we going to organize a fight against the enemy? The point is this: that, that I'm, I'm just—I I really just want to drive this home. We have turned a corner, I believe, in, in this nation and as a church. We have turned a corner. I—I <clears throat> I, I don't know. I—I I can just speak as an investigator because I'm not a pastor. I'm not a minister. I'm—I'm I'm an observer. I'm watching what's going on. I'm watching the fracturing of the church body. I'm watching otherwise sane and rational people adhering to irrational and, and insane lines of thought and actions. Again, look at what happened in Tennessee. Dave Dobmeyer is talking about it. We don't need that. I mean, really? If we're on a battlefield, I would hope that we all fight together, fight against the enemy, and not and not get Pat Tillman. It's a shame that we have to use, or we use that as a verb, right? We're already, we're already going to get corzined. Hmm. That's a verb. But I, I guess what I'm saying to you is, please, you know, look at the bigger picture. Look at the stakes. Look at what's in front. Do we want to lose this battle? Oh, we I, look, I know we win in the end. We all know that we win in the end. But we have a responsibility, I believe, to to get our act together, to understand that our faith is unshakable, and that 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 you know, we, to, and to look at the bigger picture, and stop fragging our brethren. I, I mean, Coach Dave Dobmeyer goes from Ohio to Tennessee to to uh, to 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 go after to, to potentially change the political landscape of this country allowed in, in, in facilitating states' rights and taking the quite unchristian, quite unbiblical issue of sodomite marriage and, and allowing it to be a state's rights issue in advancing that agenda, and what happens? He gets fragged from 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 his side. That, that's got to hurt. However, the other side of that, the good side of that, is what you saw there. Did he? Did he? Did he leave with, you know, he left beat up and bloody, basically, metaphorically speaking, of course. But did he go slink off in the corner and say, oh, "Poor me," and create a drama? No, he said, "You know what? We're gonna keep, we're gonna keep fighting. We're gonna keep fighting, and we're gonna win." Maybe we didn't win here because you know, unfortunately, even our own turned on us, and isn't that always the case? You know, we're our own worst enemy sometimes, but we're gonna win, and we are gonna win. But let's lessen the casualties. Do you know what I'm saying? See, everyone wants to, everyone wants to to, to push forward this their own personal agenda. <clears throat> everyone wants to push forward their own their own doctrinal um, 
revelation. Everyone wants to push forward with, with this, well, this is, you know, this is what I believe, and, and I'm not going to give an inch. But there's something called teamwork. Thank God for Coach Dobmeyer. Thank God for a coach. Thank God for Coach Dave Dobmeyer. I wouldn't want to be a coach either, by the way. At this point, I'm thinking about getting a paper route. But, but, But you see what I'm talking about here? Stop the infighting. Stop the, 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 political agenda of the so-called people who are protecting or the so-called uh, Christians the the, the family uh, councils who are saying hey I believe in I believe in uh, traditional marriage but this might not be the the best way to do it and then frag the very people that you're standing shoulder to shoulder with don't do that but if that does happen, and it will happen, let's take a page out of Coach Dave Dalmar's playbook. Let's rip that page out of there and say, you know what? Hey, learn my lesson there. It's going to leave a mark, but I'm coming back. I'm regrouping, and we're going to fight some more. And you know what? We're going to fight with maybe a different team. We're going to reassemble our, our, our team. But people who will play the position. That was a decision I'm referring to in case people are wondering. That was a decision that was uh, Tennessee had the opportunity to, to, to null uh you know, to go against the Supreme Court and to exert their state right under the Tenth Amendment of the United States Constitution to 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 say no, we're not going to participate in this. At the end of the day, you know what it was all about? It was about the funding. It was about the money. Because see, by doing so, Tennessee would lose that ten, twenty gazillion dollars, or however much they receive in federal funding through the um, uh, through the various. Uh, projects and, and federal funding and all that, but they could make it up by not paying the feds. See, how this works is, for example, you get federal funding or a state gets federal funding. Where does that money come from? It actually comes from the state first. They pay the feds. The feds glean some money and there's this kind of like a washing machine thing going on there and then they send money back. And everyone's convinced that, oh, well, we can't do this because it would cost us too much money. We'd lose our federal funding. Well, the trick is, you you don't play the game. You don't pay the federal government, especially if they're not going to reimburse you through federal funding. So everyone's been brainwashed on the idea, well, if we can't do this because we'll lose money. It's all about money anyway. We'll lose money. No. Not if you not if you refuse to play. The stakes are much bigger. The stakes are much bigger in this war on all fronts. This war against immorality. This war against sodomy. This war against sin. This war against the basic precepts of human of humanity. That's a bigger picture. And the people who are tanking the people who are who are really going against the the agenda here or the objectives to overturn things like homosexual marriage are the people on our side under the ostensibly to protect the people that which they serve 
you can you can read about folks we're not going to you can read about the intricacies of the case but the intricacies of the case are not, that's not the point the point is this we have a job to do we, we are under assault we're under fire we are under the gun metaphorically or as an example but soon maybe that maybe that will be a real gun in this case the war on all fronts this being immorality this being sin most ab- abominable sin in the Bible. This is an important part of the war. It's a very important part of the war. And the message is, is that, number one, yes, this is a hugely important aspect of the war. And the second part of that message is, we're never going to win if we don't play our positions. And if we and if we maintain, you know, shooting at ourselves and shooting at one another, in cases like this, let's learn from what. I mean, this that was only a minute, minute twenty second, whatever it was, video. But let's learn from that. Let's let's heed Coach Dave Dobmeyer's advice. Let's learn from that, and let's get our acts acts together, and let's keep in the game and keep on playing. And advancing forward. Because that's what we've been appointed to do here. Because we can tell you all about, and we will, we'll tell you all about what's going on here. We'll tell you all about, we'll tell you about how bad things are. Run out of white paper. No. No, this actually, I was in the mood for Goldenrod. I just like saying the name. Um, so, how important is it to you as a Christian? as a citizen of the country, or as a citizen of your own country, if you're listening to this in Canada, New Zealand, Australia, UK. How important is the is the objective to you? Hopefully it's very important. So uh the war against the war against the Christians, a very pivotal, very, very important aspect of, of what we're going through. And and you know <laughs> let's instead instead of Instead of uh, subverting our, our efforts, when I say our efforts, Coach Dave Dobmeyer's efforts, and, and those people who are really trying to make a difference here with the, within the geopolitical landscape, let's leave egos, let's leave uh, everything at the door. Forget about all that. Forget, drop the drama, drop the uh, eyes, me's, my's, whatever, and let's play as a team. Let's play as a team to go after the enemies that we're facing. And uh, one last thing, it's different than, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a left turn from what uh, what we're talking about here is, if you want to know, too, speaking of economy and money and such, there's a run on the banks, it's beginning in Italy right now, Italian banks, the stocks, the, their banking stops are, stocks are collapsing. Michael Snyder had written this article. The Italian financial meltdown that we've been waiting for has really arrived for a long time. You've been warned. But Italian banking stocks, they're collapsing. In fact, this is the Wednesday. Yesterday was the the fifth consecutive day. And watch what the Italians are doing. They're beginning to pull large amounts of money out of the banks. And many banks are not... Well, they're out of money. They're running out of money. 
You want to know what's coming? You want to know the war on all fronts? It's also economic, and we're going to be getting into this as, as with Joe uh, coming on. But one-third, this one bank in uh, Italy, one-third of their loans are non-performing. In other words, you know, the people can't repay their the loans. So uh, the stock price fell to 57% in the last uh, 21 days. So they're going to need to, uh, this one particular bank, Monte Dia Pashi, is going to need a, a major bailout. And, um, well, the same thing can be said about most all of the large banks in Italy. But where is that money going to, going to come from? That's the question. And it's going to come from you. Well, if you're listening to this in Italy. But, but see, this is coming to America. More on more on the economic war later, but see, people said, "Oh, well, you know, everything's fine." No, it's not. Oh, it's fear porn. No, it's not. It's doom talk. No, it's not. It's reality. So, Joe, I, that's all I wanted to say. I just thought, you know, my the looking at Coach Dave Dobmeyer's video was both troubling and an inspiration to me. When I saw it this morning, it was troubling in the sense that we have to go through this, but it was an inspiration that we can all gather together, dust ourselves off, and let's fight it. You know, let's go for to fight another day, right? Absolutely. All right. We have uh, about 13 minutes left of this hour. We're going to hit some news, and we'll get more into the topic into the next hour. A few stories I wanted to hit. <clears throat> Many of us have been paying attention to this um, economic summit that's been going on in Davos, Switzerland. Yep. Uh, there's an article today out of Bloomberg Business. The spec, uh, Donald Trump is haunting Davos. The spectacle of Donald Trump. Uh-huh. And this is what they say in this article. If Donald Trump, as President of the United States, is the ghost that's stalking Davos, many among the global elite hope he'll be banished by spring. Others see that as awful wishful thinking, I think the nominee will be Donald Trump for the Republicans and Hillary Clinton for the Democrats. Donald Bear, a former White House advisor under Bill Clinton, said in a panel co-hosted by Bloomberg, the next year will be a very uncertain and chaotic period. The prospect of Trump in the White House is ratcheting up anxiety among the 2,500 business and political leaders gathered at the Swiss Ski Resort for the annual World Economic Forum. <clears throat> With less than two weeks before voting in primaries get underway, Trump and the Republican Party lead those who fear a rise in uh, protectionism and economic mismanagement are speaking out against the billionaire property developer. Um, Eric Cantor, many of you folks remember Eric Cantor, yep. um, a Republican in the, in the House, he says, unfortunately, I do not think, I do think that if we were to be, uh, if there were to be in a Trump administration, the casualty would likely be trade, Eric Cantor said. And that's a very serious prospect for the world. <laughs> Disaster, Cantor said. He doesn't think Trump will make it through the primaries, a common theme among Davos attendees who nevertheless are still talking about him. Trump's positions, like a temporary ban on Muslims entering the country and the building of a wall on the Mexican border, are earning him a, uh, momentum. 
uh, in the populace, but enemies at the mountain resort. He also he has also railed at the loss of U.S. jobs to overseas co- overseas competitors, and on Tuesday said that as president he would get Apple to start building their damn computers and things in the U.S. instead of China. A Trump administration would be a disaster, according to the Beth Brook Marnack Global Vice Chair Public Policy Ernst and Young, LLP former advisor to the U.S. Treasury and Clinton and the Clinton administration. The globe needs the U.S. to be strong, she said. The U.S. is still the horse that is pulling the world's cart, and more so now with the capital outflows from emerging mar- markets. The president presidential ratios that the U.S. is not immune to the wave of populism sweeping the globe. In the U.S.'s case, the economy has recovered faster than other developed nations from the global slump from 2008 and 2009, yet wages have not kept pace with a rebound in corporate profits. That's just helping candidates like Trump and Bernie Sanders who say the system is rigged against average Americans. Well, Trump's spectator looms large, not many assume he'll actually make it to the White House. I am amazed at Davos about how many people are talking about Trump and taking him seriously as they are, said Martin Sorrell, WPP's chief executive. I think it doesn't matter who the Republicans put up, Hillary will win. Also, I, I agree with that assessment, but that's just me. George Soros is uh, amongst the attendees here in the uh, Davos uh, Economic World Forum. His uh, statement is Donald Trump is doing the work of ISIS. And he goes, Excuse on, me? Yes. He says George Soros goes, uh, went on to say that Donald Trump is doing the work of ISIS and that Hillary Clinton will win in a landslide. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. I mean, so, that's so, interesting. Yeah, on Thursday evening yeah. at the World Economic Forum Summit in Davos, Soros used a 45-minute interview with Bloomberg TV's uh, Francine... Lacqua to create an explosion of headlines on both the political and economic front. Donald Trump doing, is doing the work of ISIS, Soros said, citing the anti-immigration vitriol that has been the hallmark of the Trump campaign that has risen him in the Republican primary polls. He levied a similar critique against candidates such as Ted Cruz and said Hillary Clinton would win the general election in a landslide. Uh, he went on to say, ideas like closing borders to uh, the U.S. borders to Muslims, Soros said, might convince the Muslim community that there is no alternative but terrorism. He also said ISIS's days are numbered, as both Iraqi and Syrian governments will win back the territory the terrorist group has gained. The rise of ISIS and the crumbling of the Middle East has created a crisis for Europe, and Soros said German Chancellor Angela Merkel may have erred in opening the country to refugees. <laughs> So, do you, I mean, you hear the, he goes on to say, she risked her political capital and lost, Soros said. Nevertheless, he expressed optimism that Germany and other European powers would successfully integrate migrants. That's just some of what, uh. Snoros. Yeah, Snoros. Snoros. That's, that's good, okay. Yeah. Snoros, man. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. He's like 180 years old. Looks 250. Yeah, actually, that that's basically from Forbes. And, and the, yeah, you know, he's, it is from yeah, and, and he base, basically the headline and drudge for that reference to the Forbes is Soros snaps, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so the, okay, looking at this, um, and 
we have to look at, at the enemy, the the global Luciferian elite. We have to look at the people in power that put the people, the faces that we see in power, as because of, for example, because of the information like the folks that you are receiving in the education, they are running because we are, they're running. Well, this is what I wanted to talk about. One, these none of these people are elected, yet they hold all the power of yes. the political branch and the economic policy of the world yeah. um, through having and trade you know um, Eric Cantor in the article before this one saying that you know if the Trump administration were to make its way to the White House uh, via winning the election then trade would be the, the victim and he said that would be terrible and sad but what he's talking about is you know, but it's not what, true, what, though. No, it's not. What Trump's saying is, you know, and, and whether Trump is is legitimate or not, and whether it matters, you know, who's president in 2016, if we even get to that point. Um, oh, I, I, I do think it. I do think we we're going to get to that point. I'm just not sure where we're going to look like when we get there. Okay, I mean, yeah. you know, um, no, it, it, yeah, exactly. But these, so, I mean, none of these people are elected. A lot of them seem to be. And or hold former government positions, um, as you know, one was quoted as a former Treasury Secretary, uh, Assistant Treasury Secretary under Clinton and Eric Cantor. You know, they're all heads of of big businesses and industry now. And you know, to say that they're running scared is that a headline that is thrown out there to um, manipulate the public and what their mindset is about. Uh, what these Davos people or titans of industry in, in the world truly uh, human world leaders think, or is this put out there as propaganda? Very interesting. I, I mean, uh, well, is, you get to the point where you can't dissect news because it's just what it, it, constant. That's what they're counting on. See, it's it's very easy to create fear, panic, and, and mayhem. And a lot of times, people will look at uh, look at the people in the alternative media, and, and say, "Oh my gosh, you know." Thing, I mean, the the fear that would grip one if if we would take all of the headlines and the possibilities and such, and present it in a way, in a in a haphazard way, in an irresponsible way, of course, would be it'd be irresponsible to do. I guess. Case in point, Joe and and ladies and gentlemen, okay, if you live on the East Coast right now. The twenty-first day of January. If you live on the East Coast, or anywhere, Washington, for, really from, I'm going to say from Maine down to North Carolina. You might as well say that, and into all the way over to to the Ohio Valley. Valley. If you live in that that swath, what do you what are you looking at? What have you been told? Hey, there's a historic storm, a storm of historic proportions coming at you. Okay, I I don't know. If, Eric, I don't know if you can grab this photograph from my uh, from my screen, or if it's really worth it to grab it. But let's see. Th- this, sorry, Eric's getting up now and walking over. But for the people on YouTube, um, this is about the the grocery stores. Yeah, yeah. Here's the deal. You know, Snowmageddon 2016. Empty store shelves is panicked. Is the panic of rushing out to buy everything, and and there's a picture of the empty store shelves. Let me tell you something. This is really what, what you're seeing right there is a picture of what it's going to be like in the days or the hours, the days, maybe even a week or two 
as people wake up and realize, oh my gosh, it is coming, what, what Hagman and Hagman talked about, what InfoWars talked about, or whatever insert name of program here talked about, it's coming. And I better get stocked up. Because, see, the very people who are saying, oh, you know, it's a bunch of BS, you you push canned food, you push this and push that. Those are the people who emptied these shelves, I can guarantee you. It's the people who have not prepared, and who have have laughed at those people who have said prepare, and who said preparation's not of God. Preparation, it needs, no, no, you don't need to prepare. No, because then you lack the faith. Okay, I'm a Christian, I don't need to prepare. My butt, because you're the ones who are going to be emptying the shelves like this, like you see on the screen if you're watching YouTube. It's going to be you who are running out to the stores and, and ripping things off the shelves and throwing it in the cart and taking things out of other people's carts. Because you didn't prepare. I have some preparations that I might be in the grocery stores tearing up people's grocery carts and stealing bread and whatnot. Yeah, I know I can't see you doing that. But, <laughs> but, but the, the point is, and, and this is on InfoWars, the, the picture that is, um, the point is this. Just a small snowstorm. Yeah, well, yes, yes, yes. Now, look, is it's it going to happen? In remote part of the country. Yeah, it's going to happen. We just uh, got the two feet of snow that they're projecting well, okay. down there. Well, okay. All right. But, but I, I guess, I guess. Is it going to be apocalyptic in nature? Is it going to shut the city down for weeks? No. Right, right. Remember so, last year they shut down New York City for like yes, two days in advance and yes. not even an inch of snow fell when they expected like three to five feet? Something crazy right. amount. Well, here's the point. And then everything we're talking about today—the bank closings, the, the the war against Christians, the all of the war on all fronts. You see this picture? You see that picture? Did you see the picture that we showed you? Okay. Do you want to be a part of that craziness at the very end, or do you want to sit back and be able to 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 to, to have some reasonable semblance of or semblance of reasonable you know sanity, where you can sit back and tell your family, "Look, I have created the provisions for you." We're going to weather this storm, in this case, literally a storm. We're going to weather this. We're going to get through this. Or are you going to be part of the the frenzied masses? I prefer the former, not the latter. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman Hagman Report. This is the 21st day of January 2016. We're going to be right back after the top of the hour news. Hey, stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this Thursday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Again, today is Thursday, January 21st, 2016, as this week is just blown by so fast. This month has, hasn't it? Yeah. You, you know, here we are, and, and here we are 21 days into January, and I think back to the last three weeks. So three weeks, 
if my math is correct, and I think it is. Let me ask you, ladies and gentlemen, what have you done in the last three weeks? What have you done? It's a good picture. <laughs> I'll uh, copy it, save it, send it. And I look back, and I look back at the last three weeks, and and I and I and I dropped on my knees um, because I'm thinking, you know, I, I've squandered so much time because I have not utilized my time the way I could have, and and that saddens me. And, and I ask you, I challenge everyone out there to, to use your time more efficiently. I really do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm attempting to make changes to capitalize on my time. But anyway, uh, what I was talking about, somebody sent me an email saying, what are you talking about, about Coach Dave Dobmeyer, Tennessee? Well, here's the deal. There was a, a pro-traditional marriage bill that was set to be considered by the Tennessee House Committee Wednesday. And... Um, the supporters of the traditional marriage bill gathered and including included in that gathering was Coach Dave Dobmeyer. It, it's this is just interesting, okay, because I, I'm I'm reading or I'm looking, I shouldn't say reading, I'm I, I pulled up the new civil rights movement dot com. I've never been to this website before. I don't know what it's all about, but I can tell just by the flavor. Supporters of anti-gay marriage bill rally in Tennessee say cost of tolerance is aid. Hate group rallies. Now, now listen to this. Hate group rallies outside Capitol before Wednesday hearing on Natural Defense of Marriage Act. Hate group. Now, I'm going to tell you, I know, I know Coach Dobmeyer. He ain't a hater. And, and the way this is written, supporters of the anti-gay marriage bill, anti-gay. No, it's pro-traditional marriage. If you want to say anything, it's anti-sodomite. Anyway, the extremist group, oh, listen to this, and they talk about us in the alternative media or new media. They talk about us using, you know, incendiary language terms. The extremist group, the hate group. Uh, well, and, and then they make out the uh, they, they make the uh, uh, state uh, lawmaker. They make him out to to be some sort of whack job because uh, he he is reportedly he said that God told him to file House Bill fourteen twelve, known as the Tennessee Defense of uh, Natural Marriage Act, because same sex marriage is wicked. Well, okay. Yeah, well, God told me to put my socks on and shoes on and his pants on this morning and walk out walk out of the house. Okay, I, you know, I look the way this is all being twisted. But but see, here's here's the key to this. The the proponents of keeping things the way the, the proponents of sodomite marriage say, look, it's going to cost us eight point five billion dollars annually to the state because we're not going to get matching funds. We're not going to get federal funds. So we can't possibly do this. It would bankrupt us. Well, no, because that's only half the equation. Where does that $8.5 billion come from? It comes from the citizens, the the, the actual citizens of Tennessee. You, you see, that's why history and civics and government operation is no longer taught in our high schools, in, in, in our middle schools, and even our elementary schools. Because they don't want you to know this. They only want you to see 
a 8.5 billion in the is the potential cost if we if we pass this act so we can't have that and so then you've got these shills acting on behalf of or ostensibly you know for the 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 people who are in favor of traditional marriage saying oh we can't do this because well it's not the right time not the right place because it would cost it would cost all of us money and 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 and, and um uh, stuff from the federal government okay this incendiary article with the incendiary speech is just beyond i'm not going to even read this or, or reference it anymore um they're demonizing people one guy alan hoyle uh demonizing this guy who said i swore an oath to defend the constitution and the Constitution says nothing about marriage. And a court can't decide on marriage. No judge can make a law. A judge cannot rule against the people. We're for natural marriage. Okay. And then going on, and this is perhaps a critical component of this. Uh, there's a, uh, a guy by the name of uh, Matt True, True Hella, I guess is how you pronounce his name. He is he is described as, and I quote, a radical Christian preacher from Wisconsin. So he's a Bible believing, right? Christian. See, he 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 wants, and here's 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 why he's called a radical Christian preacher. It's got to give this website credit because here's why he one time signed a statement in defense of the uh, murder <laughs> of abortion providers. Now. That's not exactly the uh jeez. <laughs> oh, uh, all right, anyway, he espouses a theory, and I guess this is the the key component here of interposition of the lesser magistrate, which really is the what this is is when you talk about the interposition of the lesser magistrate, what you're saying is that elected officials have the have a godly duty, a sworn duty to, to stand in the gap by defying court rulings that go against the divine law. Much like Greg Jackson when he comes on the air and says, any law or any court opinion that is against the precepts of the, of the Holy Bible in our Judeo-Christian uh, uh, heritage is no law at all. Any law that goes against the uh the normal you know state or i should say the normal uh, uh, biblical uh concept of natural marriage is no law at all or no valid opinion all right that's the and and the interposition of le- the lesser magistrate what they're saying there is we can stand up to the federal court or stand up to the federal government and the supreme court by saying no we're not going we're not going to accept this we don't have to and and by the by constitutionally they don't have to so anyway, that's the big deal, and uh, the uh, I, I mean, so, so many sides are being uh, are, are being uh, represented here and, and are involved in this, and, and even like the family council, which Dave Dobmeyer was referring to, the, the family council who's supposedly on our side, well said, no, we can't do this, we can't do it. And I was trying to find his. Uh, I was trying to find exactly who he was talking about, and I, I can't right at the moment. I had. A, I have the notes in my office, but the bottom line is this: okay, we don't need. We don't need people on our side to, to, to. Here it is, right here. This guy, I, I know. I know his face. Hang on a minute here. David Fowler, the president of the Family Action Council of Tennessee. He's a guy that. Uh, let's see here. He, this guy right here. 
Um, yeah. He's the guy right here, I believe, that, that is the one that, uh, was behind the tanking of the, of the bill. So, there it is. Family Action. Did I say that right? Family Action Council of Tennessee. Very interesting. Yeah, it, so, you know what? Trust few. Trust few. Go on. I want to thank Larry for the email update on the Baltic Dry, uh, index. It's down to 355. If you remember, at the beginning of the week, we did a show with Steve Quayle and Ross Powell. It closed at 369. Uh, the looking at this uh, from today, uh, the perspective of today, um, as opposed to Monday, the 52-week range on Monday was a close of 1260 as a high and of 369 as a low. Today, the 52-week range is 1222 as a high and 355 as a low. Historic low. I mean, this is as low as, as it's ever been since what, 1985. 000 in 1985, yeah. 1148 to my recollection. Okay. Well, uh, so we have that continuing, and that is a measure of world trade, and uh, Larry in his email adds that um, if, you know, in case you have not caught it, the Baltic Dry Index continues to plunge, and if it keeps up, stores will experience empty shelves due to lack of trade, another good reason to be prepared, and uh, that is very true. You know, it, it, it's, a, it's it, the life or the society in which we live right now. Again, you go back to the oh, East Coast, uh, what is it, Snowmageddon or Stormageddon yeah, or whatever story you call on it. that here. Snowmageddon. Look at the shelves. Look at the picture on InfoWars. Look at the shelves. This is what you get when you exercise poor judgment or no judgment at all. And, and you don't, I mean, uh, prepare, prepare, prepare. And, and you know, do not be a part of this. Don't get caught up in this. Now, to the people who live alone, and the people who are infirmed, and the people who don't have families, and the people who who are are listening to this broadcast right now, don't have money, and don't have money. Okay, look, let's just talk to you for a moment. All right. And, and I know we know people like this. We know people who are hurting and, and listening to this broadcast in a room lit by a, a single light bulb, for example. And you might think, well, geez, they have a computer or they've got a smartphone or they've got some way to listen, so they're not that bad off. Well, no, I mean, but, but here's, obviously, faith comes in, but... I guess I guess what I'm saying here is, you no one is 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 to be, no one should be entrapped in, in or engaged or ensnared in a, in a uh, spirit of. Don't be afraid, you shouldn't be afraid. If that's you, don't be afraid because this is where faith comes in. This God, I, I believe this. Now again, I'm not. A, preacher, I'm not a minister, I'm not. I'm just an investigator, but I do have faith and I'm a Christian and I believe that God will God this is where your faith comes in. God is going to look at this, your situation a lot differently than a guy with a thousand dollars in his pocket or dresser drawer, sock drawer and, and the unwillingness to prepare. Absolutely. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So 
there's a huge difference, a difference with a, a extreme distinction here to those who, who are saying, dear God, you know, I can't get out. I'm in a wheelchair. I'm alone. I don't have anybody. Or I can't drive. It's slippery. I, I don't, I don't have a car. Okay. Yeah. Faith comes in here. Not to make fun of anybody, but maybe tomorrow when it comes time to get to work, I'll call up and say, you know, it's too slippery. <laughs> yeah. Just meanwhile, kidding. I'll be, uh, yeah. But see, that's, that's when you should open up the couch in the office and, uh, and, and, and sleep there. Oh, but, okay. but, 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 but you see, okay, so we have, so let's separate the, um, let's make sure we understand the faith aspect of it for those who who are alone and infirmed and, and you know, who are really, you know, uh, who are really in a jam versus the, the individual who says, well, hey, look, I got the money and I got the ability, I've got everything, but you know what? God's going to get me through this. I do believe there there's a, a, a distinction there, and when you do ask that to that latter person, um, I, I think you might be in for a surprise because yeah, you're, you're you've got faith, but um, you also have uh, two two arms, two legs that work, and a car that works, and a, the ability to take care of your own and your family and others. And uh, by not doing so, you're no better than an infidel. And I believe that that will be you will be one of those that will be in that in that store situation saying oh man you know going for the last uh last package of expired uh, ground beef and uh if, if it even exists so that's my message on this so let's move on well some big breaking news here uh this out of fox news in advance of big storm new jersey lifts licensing law for shoveling snow <laughs> yes you heard me correctly just days ahead of an expected blizzard on the east coast New Jersey has officially repealed a nonsensical rule banning the shoveling of snow without a license. Governor Chris Christie on Tuesday signed a bill making it legal for New Jersey residents to offer snow shoveling services without first registering with their town. Last year, two entrepreneurial teens going door-to-door offered, offering to shovel snow for a small fee were stopped by local police, <coughs> and the cops told the two boys... They were not to not allowed to solicit business without a permit. Yeah, the license costs four hundred and fifty dollars and is good for a period of one hundred and eighty days. The story made national headlines. State lawmakers began working on a solution after uh, the story became uh, nationwide news. But this was just one of uh, ninety-three laws signed by Chris Christie this week, according to the. Um, governor's office, he vetoed 65 bills. But what does it say about the police state and nanny state mentality when you have governors and, and states saying you cannot shovel snow without a license? And I understand that the difference that they're making saying you can't solicit door to door, uh, snow shoveling services without a license. But I mean, when I was a kid, we used to make money to go buy football cards and, um, you know, well, that's the difference between you and I, son. When I was a kid, when, uh, here, here's the difference. When I was a kid, you, I was expected to shovel not just my own well, I'm home, talking about going but around my neighbor's to... home because they were elderly, and you did it without the expectation of money. Well, that's all good and well. When I was growing up, I got paid to shovel uh, my grandma's and grandpa's driveway. Never got paid to shovel my own. 
but we would go around and, and shovel the, you know, different neighbors and uh, make some money. And we used to go buy football cards. And that was, you know, just the way things were. You know, in the summertime, it was mowing the grass. In the fall, it was raking leaves. That's right. But to see that states, I mean, we see how the states have been cracking down, even with the lemonade stands, saying it, kids it, are not. Well, there it is. And there's a bigger picture. There's that war now on the domestic front. It's war against small businesses. You, you see, mm-hmm. it, it, we, we, you know, we bring guests on and they talk about the larger picture about the banks. I mean, when I say larger picture, I'm not talking about the, the uh, aggregate. I'm talking about maybe the, the larger issues with banks and with credit unions and with stocks and such. But even at this level, at the, at the level of snow shoveling, lemonade stands, this is the war for consolidation control. Oh, yeah. And this know? is the last, I mean, there, there's not many other ventures where they can go from here to regulate. Um, you know, this is where they do start consolidating. That's right. Um, That's right. And, and making, you know, choices about what is going to be considered a something that you do with the permission of and paying the fee of getting a license versus what will be illegal. I've heard it said once that, you know, licenses are basically you pay the state permission to do something that is illegal. That is what a license is. Just like as a private investigator license. If you were to take the practices of private investigation onto some random citizen, uh, it would be considered stalking, harassment, uh, you could get arrested, but if you have a license, well, no, that's not start. entirely true. Well, in a way. I mean, there, well, I I understand your your I understand that, but but the, yeah, it's illegal to drive if you don't have a license, so you have to yeah. go get a license in order to be able to to drive, and then it's all you know. Legal. Well, the bottom line, it's it, it's all an encroachment of our freedoms, or absolutely, yeah, yeah, so absolutely. Um, in but, other news, uh, before you get into that, I just want to throw this out there because this is kind of a random piece of information. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Coney, Joseph Coney, the Lord's Resistance Army the, in Uganda. Uh, yeah, the guy yeah. who was slaughtered, uh, right. Coney 2012. Exactly, exactly. Now, we know, okay, and, and I know InfoWars did a lot of exposés on this and other agencies, other companies, and uh, Alice did a lot, a lot of agencies on this. Um, Joseph Coney, the leader of the Lord's Resistance Army, Uganda, which is, I mean, this is a truly a U.S. and Israeli-backed guerrilla force, all right? This according to Richard Cottrell, the former European MP, journalist, and author of the book uh, Gladio, NATO's, NATO's Dagger at the Heart of Europe. Back in 2011, he wrote, uh, or he called, uh, uh, or he wrote an article called uh, African ping pong, U.S. plays both sides in Uganda. All right. Well, this just coming out from uh, a trial here, the one of Coney's, Joseph Coney's lords, if you will, army people, and I warn you, this is not, what I'm about to say is not pretty. The commander ordered his men to, and I quote, cook and eat captured civilians. And used rape to train child fighters in Uganda. Dominic Onguin, himself a child soldier, turned turned children into militants. No, terrorists. He, he was operating as a commander for Joseph Coney's rebel army. And a court heard the testimony, and this was would have been yesterday. He he heard 
they heard how he ordered his soldiers to cook and eat human flesh. This is through the International Criminal Court. It's facing war crime charges. And the reason this is important is because who in the world are we backing? Who who are we backing? Who are we propping up? We uh, Obviously, you hear... When you say we, you mean the country? No, no, no. I, I, let me be better clear on this because my wife even said, you know, you got to be very clear. The criminal elements of the global... Crim, the criminal globalist luciferian elite within our governments who are setting the agenda for the rogue elements within the cia and other branches of our government and the mercenaries the ngos that go into other countries and topple you know topple the governments and to 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 do things like the you know the hillary clinton-esque operations in libya okay those people who are who are those people backing who are these bloodthirsty, bloodlust people black backing? And they're backing guys like Coney. The witnesses tell uh, how he instructed his personal escorts to administer dreadful beatings and even kill, cook, and eat civilians who had been abducted in attacks. And this guy, I mean, this is just crazy. This is just absolutely crazy. The reason I bring this up, war on all fronts. You see, we're exporting this kind of madness. What do you think we're going to reap? If we sow this, what will we reap? What will this country reap? We're already seeing it in in, the, in terms of the mass invasion, alien invasion. And how many people are going to, and, and how many people are aware that that um, the very people who Obama and not just Obama, but Bush and Rubio and every one of the, you know, every one of these people who are singing Kumbaya and, and holding each other's hands and, and, you know, stroking their hair, patting their heads, uh, you know, uh, saying it's okay. Let's let's uh, uh, be tolerant of other other societies. You know, it's a humanitarian crisis. It is, but one of their own making. But how many people are we bringing into this country who are going to be doing just that? And you might think, oh, I can't imagine. I can't imagine for one minute that we're going to have this kind of this kind of uh, uh, result. And you know, it's overblown. It's all fear. It's all. It's all the. No, no, you, you, no, you, no. Look at the bigger picture. The bigger picture is to not just dilute our society, not just to, to rend our moral fabric, but the, but the bigger picture here is to bring mercenaries in, bring soldiers in, and yet to terrorize, terrorize, terrorize your families and, and, and rape your wives and kill. And, and you know something? You might say, "Oh, that's all just a bunch of hokey BS." You know, that's not going to happen here. It's already happening. Look at Germany. Look at Sweden. Look at the other countries in Europe who are, who are going through this show. You've, you've gone through stories. You've gone through articles. Of it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. okay. So one in four women in, in, where was it? Sweden. Sweden. Have been raped. One in four. And if, you know what? If your statistics are meaningless unless they happen to you. I got, you know, oh, I, the statistics are, you know, whatever to get hit by lightning. You know, that's that's good until your shoes are smoking on the floor. You know, but uh, but but here's the thing, okay? Uh, you get a one in ten chance of getting in a car accident or whatever the statistic might be. Uh, yeah, they're just numbers. They're numbers and they're meaningless until it happens to you. But here's the deal: we are being set up for this. This we are being set up to to fight. We, we're going to have to fight. 
it's, it's not a fight of our own choosing. It's going to come to your door. It's, you're not going to have to go looking for it. It's going to come to you. And we're being set up to, to fight. Look at the Oscars. Will Smith and, and company. Um, and no, his wife. Yeah. Um, What's her face? And then Aunt Vivian from, what was that, uh, show? Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah, that, that show. Saying, Will, you know, um, black dress, whatever her name was, doing this video. Uh, 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 James Pickett Smith. Yeah, that Will her, Smith's wife. Yeah, saying you know, well, this is the you know you're uh, that uh, you know you're well going against Will Smith and his wife for the wrong reasons actually. But the bottom line here is, did you see how this is all shaping up? Did you see that when 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 my DHS source back three years ago said they are attempting to cause racial riots? Look at even in the Oscars now, it is either you comply, or there's going to be a fight. Mm-hmm. Well, they want the latter, not the former. They don't want compliance; they want to fight. And see, it's coming. It's coming right now, whether it be on along racial lines or along um, lines of uh, uh, what am I? What's the word I'm looking for? The citizenship, uh, you know, aliens coming, illegal mass invasions of people from other countries coming in they're looking for that fight and they're looking at as well as on religious lines and not only that as i mentioned at the beginning of the show the insidious part of the religious aspect of it is they're also ripping apart the people within the church and if you fall for that you know rending of, of the people within the church and if you fall and engage in the fragging of, of your of your brethren then i got to tell you something you're you're part of the problem not part of the solution as dave dobmeyer said because that's how that's how things in tennessee get all screwed up Dave Dobmar goes down there. Hey, let's 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 go well, for it. You know, bang, and then he gets fragged. At the same time, though, and this has nothing to do with what Coach Dave's been going through. The church does need to be refined, and the people inside it do need, uh, for the the vast majority, at least, if you take into consideration the mega churches and yes, uh, the Christian evangelical population in the U.S., they do need a refining, and a, and some of them do need to be called out, not for you know, their personal ways or actions, but, um, people need to be convicted of their, of their sin. They need to hear, uh, all sides of the message. They need to, we all need to be more open to the Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit and the way he corrects us. And sometimes that's done through, um, you know, brothers and sisters and the Lord, uh, coming to you individually and, and saying you got this wrong or that wrong but it, you know that's uh, one of the emailers um, sent an email that makes a good point that uh, and this is Pam I believe she says uh, we are not going to win earthly moral wars and I'll add especially in the public arena we may not we, we may not win all the earthly wars but do not don't we have a divine obligation to fight, she says. Yeah, she said, but she says it's not about fighting the wars; it's about fighting for souls. And well, I would, of course, and I would agree with her. But, but 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 how do you fight? Okay, and, and see, this is all great, and I agree with her. But when you, when you are living in the earthly, you are living here on terra firma earth. And I know that we are we are living in. The, I mean, I know we're spiritual beings living here in the earth. You do have to fight on the earthly plane. 
I get that. I understand that. So, I, but my question is, okay, so you can you can sit back in your prayer closet and pray, or you can go out like Coach Dave Dobmyers and, and and attempting to change, you know, advancing your convictions, advancing your um, scriptural or script scriptural biblical, um, advancing that biblical. Uh, um, he said that agenda. <laughs> okay, right? I mean, no, you're right. Okay, so uh, I, I understand that. I, I I do understand the distinction, the difference. I get that, but we also have to. Uh, did you just do that? Maybe. All right. Yes, I did. All right. I just it's saw a flash. Camera, of, I, I, I saw a flash of light go across my eyes. Eric, can that ruin camera lenses? Yeah, I I wouldn't if be I doing were, that. Were to shine that into the lens. Don't not try. Let's not try. I mean, yeah. Um, there was a, 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 you know, a little, a little red, red dot. Little I had red a little dot. red laser pointer on me that I uh, play with We're not the, play my that. cats with. And um, I just... Torment probably is the Just word. messing with, with the, the guys in the studio. Yeah. Now. All right. Uh, but, here, here's so a, there you go. Okay, go on. I want to hit this article uh, because the people that are being released out of this country uh, are the ones that need to be, continue to be kept in some cases, under lock and key, the Obama administration releases al-Qaeda's most skilled explosives expert. The Obama administration had released one of al-Qaeda's most skilled explosive experts, a man personally praised by Osama bin Laden and who created a shoe bomb design that was used unsuccessfully to bring down an airliner in 2001. The Pentagon said on Thursday that Egyptian Tariq Muhammad al-Swahi uh, Sawa who may have known the September 11, 2001 plot, was transferred from the detention facility at Guantanamo Bay to the government of Bosnia. Now, this is one of many uh, Guantanamo detainees who have been freed or uh, released in recent weeks, months, and even years. Al-Swaha fought with the Bosnian army in the early 1990s and eventually made his way to Afghanistan in 2000. Like many other members of al-Qaeda, uh, he began his terrorism career as a member of the secret Muslim Brotherhood, which is present in the U.S. Al-Swaha's Guantanamo file reveals a number of chronic medical issues. And, uh, I don't know, what's up with the internet here? Just wiped off my screen. But this goes on to say that <clears throat> the, uh, and even the, uh, leftist leaning journalist, uh, was her name Monica Crowley? She says that this, uh, the Guantanamo Bay closing and detainee release is one of Obama's biggest, um, where's the exact quote here? I don't want to misquote her. Most dangerous betrayals of the country. That from Monica Crowley. Right. And, and she's an author and, uh, that's correct. I mean, we are either at, and see this to me. War on all fronts. If we're fighting a war against the terrorists, not terrorism, but terrorists, because terrorism is a tactic; it's not an enemy. Right. Okay. So, what we have to identify the enemy, and that to me is a shameful thing that that was left by the predecessor, George W. Bush. He refused to identify the enemy who we are fighting. Well, who is the enemy? And it's the enemy uh, the front enemy of course, the visual enemy, visible enemy would be the Muslims who are who said we're going to kill you. But we have to understand as well that those Muslims are a tool 
Islam has been weaponized. Islam was weaponized during World War II. The way we see genes being weaponized today and genetics. That's correct. So, uh, but, but when you don't identify the enemy, and ultimately the enemy is evil, the evil agenda, but when you don't identify the enemy, you've got a hard time fighting it, don't you? Because where do you aim your weapons? And certainly not inward. And, and weapons can be spiritual, they could be physical, but I'm just saying, you know, you've got to, you've got to have a clear cut. Anyone who doesn't believe, for example, that, that Islam has been weaponized, you know, I'm sorry, but it has. And who did that? And we've gone over this and over this and over this. The Nazis during World War II did that extensively because they couldn't weaponize Christianity because they looked at Christianity as a wimpy uh, religion. No, they looked at it as I'm telling you because Heinrich or Himmler looked at Christianity as a as, as a as a wimpy religion, but they looked at the Muslims as saying, "Hey, it's already pre-written in their book, the Quran and the Hadith. We can weaponize. We could use this to our, our advantage." And they had they had actual the Nazis actually used um, in in a couple of uh, countries. They had uh, um, what what's a platoon bigger than a platoon? Uh, platoons of Muslim soldiers that they used. So they were able to weaponize Islam much like Zbigniew Brzezinski weaponized Islam in Afghanistan against the Russians. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. You notice how you said that it was already written in their books like it was placed there for a time such as this to be weaponized. And there it is. It was. It is. Going through a book... um uh, Hellenism, the conquest of Christianity. Reading in the introduction, it talks about in, in the, I don't have the book with me, the copywritten date was in 76, but it talks about how um, the enemy that would be created, basically how Islam was coming to arise uh, of some kind of power of sorts over the rest of the world. Uh, and it alluded to this in the introduction of that book which was very interesting. Um, switching gears here, I just wanted to hit this back on the, the uh, watching this snowpocalypse news and uh, warnings being issued. The blizzard warning issued for D.C., it says uh, up to 30 inches. Uh, some uh, The mayor in D.C. requests help from the National Guard, and I'm reading the list of the headlines on the top left-hand side of Drudge because at the bottom there's a real funny one, at least I find funny. Um, they say, you know, AccuWeather Live, anxious shoppers ransack grocery stores. That's the, what you already got into when the bread runs out and they show the shelves. Right. Well, this next headline had me laughing. DC drivers ditch cars and walk home after sitting in traffic for five hours from one inch of snow. Well, yeah. I mean, you talk about things that people can't tolerate, don't put up with now and, and think are, are, are burdensome and, and, a hindrance now and they can't take just wait until the bad stuff really starts to come down the pipe where are you going to go when you can't escape the problems that are all around you that's a that's a good point and i and i think we have again we let's take lessons from this really let's take lessons from what's taking place here look at the pictures of the empty shelves let's take let's learn from this and watch what other people do not you the the listening audience because you already know what is uh what you have and you, you're already prepared but what we need to do i believe is to take lessons from 
watch what's what's going on here and take notes and take very precise notes. Look at which stores get emptied out first. If you're in that path where there's panic and fear, whether it is real or justified or not in terms of the weather, let's let's take notes and, and this should be an exercise. Every one of you listening to this broadcast, especially if you're in that and you can do this from afar as well if you live in some other on some other continent you can do this. But watch carefully the how quickly the stores get emptied out, when they get emptied out, who look at the demographics of the people that are hitting the stores in terms of, you know, grabbing everything. Are they the yuppies, so to speak, or the uh, young professional, young urban professionals? Or are they the more rural type? Or are they just poor people? Or are they, or are they a combination? Let's take notes on this because this could very well be, as well, in addition to everything else, this could very well be, but well, you can guarantee, I can guarantee you this, the powers that are behind the powers are watching this as well and taking their own set of notes. So let's make sure that you and I, in this war on all fronts, uh, take a lesson from this and take notes, and and we will report back on to our findings, our perceptions as to as to how they, you know, how this all plays out. Let me uh, go if I can. Uh, I want to hit this real quick because we got a bunch go of emails on this yesterday and today. Right. Researchers are pretty sure they found yeah. a new planet in our solar system. I saw that. The scientists who stripped Pluto of its planetary status helped discover it. Um, many are saying it's Nibiru or Planet X. And I'd say for good reason based on the mainstream articles we've seen out there. But I think there are other reasons behind this. Um, and I'm not sure John it's Moore. actually... John Moore has a lot to say on this. Yeah, and, and see, my problem is I'm not sure if it's actually a planet or if it's something that we were discussing more towards the beginning of the show. But they say now researcher, researchers are pretty certain that there is a ninth planet in our solar system. A uh, Two scientists, two Caltech scientists say the new planet is about ten times the mass of Earth and has an atmosphere of hydrogen and helium. Science Magazine's reports that the mysterious planet X moves in a distant orbit beyond Neptune. The researchers haven't observed Planet X itself, but believe it exists because of the unique configuration of six objects when they come closest to the sun, according to science. The scientists say that there is a 0.007% probability that the configuration is due to chance, chance, and instead are confident that there is a ninth planet. They believe that they will be able to observe the planet with a telescope within five years, that according to the Associated Press. So where did this possible planet come from? Scientists have previously speculated that there could be a missing planet in our solar system, with some theorizing that a collision caused it to be ejected out of our solar system some 4 billion years ago, that this collision may have been with Jupiter. Although we were initially quite skeptical that the planet could exist as we continued to investigate its orbit and what it would mean for the outer solar system, we've become increasingly convinced that it is out there. Uh, Badigan said in a statement, there is solid evidence that the solar system's planetary consensus is incomplete. And, uh, that was one of the scientists that, um, discovered it. But the, this discovery is also the second time that Brown has reshaped the way we think about the solar system. In 2005, he made a key discovery that allowed scientists to reclassify Pluto as a dwarf planet. Um, and, uh, apparently made a lot of people mad about that decision, but the big news again, researchers are pretty sure they've found the ninth planet of our solar system. Some say it's Nibiru, Planet X, 
but this is making its way around the scientific community and mainstream news. I've seen a lot of, um, we've gotten a lot of emails about this. A lot of uh, attention is being focused on this. And um, next week we'll have to talk to Stan about it. But yeah, well, John Moore had uh, had I received a an email, and I'm not exactly 100 percent sure if this was public or not. But really, there's one of two things that could be happening here. It could be definitely real, and it'll, it'll be when I say real, um, legitimate. All right, no, okay, or, or it could it could be. Um, I, I don't have again. I don't have the uh, email in front of me here, but I, I, in fact, when we come back from the break, I'll have it. Uh, but but it's interesting how John Moore looks at this and saying, you know, wait a minute. Um, will these scientists, for example, you know, or these people who do the, the two who discovered this, will they will they be uh, vilified from their findings and say, well, wait a minute, it's this is all just BS, or is it real? And then the the uh, you know, will it be used as a as kind of a, a, a shall we say a uh, um, I don't know some sort of other initiative or some something else? This is there's something really not right with this mm-hmm. whole thing. I guess is the bottom mm-hmm. line. There's something not right here. No, again, definitely, I, I, would I would agree. We should get John on the program because if there was any type of of planet that had an oblong uh, orbit, as they say, this does this planet does. It would have had to come sometime in the past, and and we are not taught in history about anything like that. Uh, you know, some stuff has come out in the in the recent uh, past about Planet X and the Biru and a possible connection to Wormwood, but I think it could be something completely different altogether. As we understand that we are in a um, three dimensional matrix, if you will. And nothing is really what we perceive it to be, the way we perceive it to be, not in this world. I think you meant multidimensional. Multi, yeah, well, yeah. Um, in, a, in a matrix, matrix type of... Matrix, yeah. Multi, yeah. Um, you know... Uh, oh, goodness, what's his name? I just started working with Tom Horn. Josh Peck. Right. He wrote uh, Quantum Creation, where he talks about, you know intra-dimensional beings versus extra-dimensional beings and the difference that people need to understand you know what they're dealing with as far as demons versus aliens and this is what we're we started talking about the show at least i mentioned about the coming great deception and a couple of different uh documentaries i was watching today and the uh i saw a, a steve quill clip and it's about his new launching of the genesis gen 6 Right. Uh, productions and, and the documentaries he's going to be making. And he made a, a, a great comment that he said on our show. He says, are we seeing a repeat of ancient science instead of, uh, you know, new technology being introduced to us today um, through the weaponizing of, of the genes? And, he, and, you know, he went into, obviously what he talks about is his area of expertise is the genetic manipulation war that has been uh, since the days of Noah and before the flood and that coming back today. And... Uh, we're not going to get into that now with 10 minutes left in the top of the hour, until the top of the hour, but uh, something to definitely think about. Uh, last article on weather, and then I'll throw it back to you. Hotter and hotter. NASA and NOAA claim hottest year despite evidence. The global warming propaganda knows no bounds. NASA and NOAA have just announced that 2015 is the hottest year on record, confirming a similar statement by the UN's IPCC last fall. 
Aspirius claimed that CNN and other elements of the pro-environmentalism establishment media are only too happy to amplify. In other words, two more government agencies funded entirely by government money have still found more evidence that more governments will be needed to avert the alleged man-made catastrophe of global warming. The fact that most uh, proponents of man-made global warming are affiliated with either the UN or US government should arouse suspicion about scientific objectivity. Putting the lie to such uh, pronouncements as the New American noted only two days ago is the absurd yet uh, incessant claim that global temperature data that stretches all the way back to the 1880s, an era when high Arctic and Antarctic Siberian Sub-Saharan Africa, Central Asia, and large stretches of the ocean had not yet been explored, let alone equipped with weather monitoring facilities. Virtually nothing was known, uh, for example, about the Arctic ice until airplanes gave access to areas unreachable by boat. And then they go on to say, yet we're expected to believe that data pre-1979 is as reliable as what is furnished now by satellites and sophisticated weather monitoring equipment over the past few decades. But anyways, aside from the actual numbers and the temperature data, NASA and NOAA are claiming last year was the hottest year on record, aside from the facts. And they're allowed to do this. No punishments. They're, they're, they're no cooking the numbers. Exactly. They're cooking the books. And they've openly admitted to doing it, and they've admitted how they do it. Yep. But where's the accountability? And who's going to call? I mean, when there people like Sheila Zersky right, right, wrote her book, you know, Green Gospel, and calls out the man-made global warming lie, you know, turns around and gets sued for it. But these people can take actual facts and change them, tell us they're changing the facts to a lie, then claim the lie is the truth and get right. away with it. I mean, that's the best example as I could sum up is how our world is today. I mean, just so, uh, yes, you're being lied to. Not only are we lying to you, we're stealing from you, and we're going to do it right now, and you're going to accept it and like it. And if you don't, we're going to sue you. (laughs) And next it's going to be, if you don't, we're going to kill you. And it's coming. No, it it is, you know, and, uh, yeah, it is. I I do want to mention this before the top of the hour, and then we got, a lot of like, more uh, important news, additional important news to get into. But Obama, when you look at his, you know, people say, well, it's only 364 more days until he's out of office, 360, whatever, another year until he's out. Okay, that's presumably so, number one. Number two, the damage he's been doing and will continue to do. And, and this is something we had talked earlier about the alien invasion, the invasion from other countries into this country. Well, one of the issues here. And this is the lawlessness. And in the end of days, there will be increases of lawlessness. Well, we're seeing it right now. Obama is blatantly breaking the law. And this is this is coming from his own DHS advisor. You know that uh, pesky little visa waiver program? Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, DHS, the Homeland Security Committee Chairman Michael McCall, and uh, Candace Miller is a rep as well. Um, state that uh, that uh, have gone on record saying Obama is breaking the law. More importantly, he's breaking his own law. Here's the deal, folks: uh, terrorist Paris, 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 yeah, terrorist attacks in Paris happened. All right, 
whether or not there was, you know, whatever, however they happened, they, it made the news. Well, all of a sudden, people here in the United States and the West are saying, hey, we can't have that here. Well, okay, what does Obama do in response? Well, here's what here's what's going on and has been doing, I should say. What they are doing is they are uh, their visa wa- visa waiver program is is being uh, thrown to the wind. In other words, the uh, uh, Obama is blatantly going against all laws. In fact, one that he himself signed. All waivers announced by the White House were rejected by Congress. Now think about this during negotiations with. Obama in Congress. So Congress, in, in, in response to the Paris attacks, says, hey, we, we got to tighten these things up a little bit. And Obama says, yeah, okay. Um, there's no difference of opinion over statutory interpretation of the law, this visa waiver program. It's a contradiction of the law and the agreement that was reached. Obama is putting his relationship with, with Iran, for example, in, in this case as well. Iran uh, ahead of the security of, of national security of, of our country, he's rewriting the law to appease countries like Iran, for example. He, he's overriding any will of Congress, and my my comment to that is Congress has no will. Um, anyway, Congress has been uh, frustrated with uh, Obama's uh, he offering exemptions or the the. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, Oval Office and the Executive Branch offering exemptions to people who travel to Syria, to Iraq, to Iran, to Sudan for whatever reason. These waivers from security requirements are, were rejected during the negotiations between the Congress and Obama. And and see, here's the problem: and, and this the war on all fronts. We don't have an ally, any allies in Congress. You might think, oh, Trey Gowdy and all these other. Oh, yeah, they're good. But look. Okay, Congress does not, you can't do this, Obama. You can't offer exemptions to individuals who travel to, to, to these countries. Yet Obama says, oh yeah, I can. And what does Congress do? Nothing. When you, when you even have the head of his own DHS saying, oh wait a minute, we have a really bad problem here. They go to Congress and Congress comes back and says, well yeah, we got, I understand we got a problem, but hey, I'm sorry. What are we going to do? Obama has ignored Congress's wishes, and what does Congress do? Nothing. Nothing. So, okay, so where does this leave us here? Okay, because the Department of Justice has been compromised, it's been captured. The Congress, all 535 of these idiots, should be recycled and put in the dustbin of history. Uh, the Supreme Court is is a is a rogue outfit. You've got DHS that's that's at the beck and call of the Muslim Brotherhood. We are a captured operation from within. We are, you know, and, and people are saying, well, you should impeach, the, impeach, 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 impeach who over what? Okay, and then you've got the establishment uh, conservatives, the Rush Limbaugh's and Sean Hannity's. Sorry, Russ, Russ, uh, Rush and uh, Sean. Sorry about this, but you know what? You could have put a stop to this back in 2008 when, when we were yipping that the allegiance of, of, of this renegade in chief was not to America. And then what do you do? You, you support along partisan lines people who are not going to do a damn thing and you throw them in Congress. So anyone who out there who thinks that 2016, the election in November is going to make a doggone bit of difference, I'm sorry, it's not going to make a bit of difference. And you know what? 
Look at the landscape, and I bring this up. Look at the landscape of Germany in nineteen in the nineteen thirties. Americans were sick and tired. They were looking, and I want you to consider this heavily. Look at the landscape in pre-war, pre-Nazi Germany. They were, the citizens of Germany were sick and tired of being bullied, and and, and you know they were they were man they were having a hard time. And they wanted hope and change. They wanted something different. Not hope and change. They wanted something different. They wanted somebody to take the reins and say, I'll fix every, I'm going to fix everything. The Christians, especially the Christian church in pre-war, pre-Nazi Germany asked for that. When I say asked for it, I mean, they were asking for somebody strong to look out for the interests of the, of the, of the country as well as the Christians. And isn't this what we're seeing today? They said, well, yeah, the, 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 and I know the examples between Nazis and, and Hitler and, and Germany and today. I know that's so overplayed. I understand that. But let me tell you something here. If there was ever a time in, the, in this nation's history where there could be under the auspices of, of a savior coming in to bail us out and think about this and think about this hard, we got a guy that's saying everything we want to hear, right? And I'm not saying he's wrong. <laughs> not at all. He's saying what we want to hear. Toss them. Make sure you, you don't change. We can't let the Muslims in. You're right. But what happens? What? Or I'll pose this as a question. What happens when you put all of your spiritual, moral, social eggs in one basket? What happens when you look for that specific political solution or the solution of a man over morality, of a man over scripture? Think about that for a moment. In the current landscape, that's called the United States of America. Folks, we'll be right back. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our third and final hour on this Thursday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Today's the 21st day of January 2016. We're going to hit this last hour hard with news and information, but first, a quick announcement. You know, I, we had mentioned about whole tones earlier, and I hope everyone caught the uh, broadcast with Michael Terrell uh, that we did, because, man, that was a great broadcast, and he explained things so well about... Uh, about music and how music and frequency affects it, and in Ted Brewer explained it, uh, the frequency aspect of things. And I even it, heard uh, Steve Quill in the documentary I was watching yes. today explain how blood <coughs> has a frequency. How what? How blood has a yeah has a frequency, and how and he explained how you know Abel's blood cried out from the ground 
to God in that the you, you innocent blood cries out and that's you know done through a frequency you, you have to yeah you i mean you you have to have sound which means frequency in order for that to happen but but folks you know let me ask you if you're are you stressed out and i i'll bet you everyone would say yeah i'm stressed out i, I do feel overwhelmed i'm, I'm at times I, it's hard to get out of bed and, and well if you feel like life is running you instead of running you running your life and and that's so much so many of us today you're not alone you can experience the scientifically proven powers of music therapy with whole tones now whole tones has a collection of proven musical therapy that can help reduce stress ease your mind it can motivate you you can get started right now today after this broadcast and listen to a free sample of this just truly amazing music that heals and inspires all you have to do is go to wholetoneslive.com that's wholetoneslive.com one of our many happy listeners and whole tones clients said you know what i started playing whole tones throughout my workday not only was I more creative and motivated? The work I was doing seemed easier and clearer. We have, and we make this a point in the Hagman and Hagman studio to have whole tones music pumped in or playing in the background. And you might think, well, that's so what? You know something? It does something to you. It does, it changes your attitude and altitude in life. That's my belief. And again, we had Michael Turk. Terrell on our show, and he explained how this music was inspired by the music frequencies of King David. Folks, you don't have to take my word for it. You can get a free sample on your own. Go to the website and download a free sample at wholetoneslive.com. You can support the Hagman Hagman Show. Just go to wholetoneslive.com. That's wholetoneslive.com. And I do want to say whole is with a W, okay? Wholetoneslive.com. Wholetoneslive.com. And it's really a great product. All right. Did you see that um, fluoride? Yes. And uh, the, yes. the medical journal has been listed as a neurotoxin. You know, it's about time, right? But but see, it, little too little too late, and, and yeah. the classification is just a little bit off. It's a neurotoxin. But see, the way they sell it to you is a little bit, not too much, not too not not too bad. But you know, it's only a neurotoxin when it's. Yeah, it's you funny. Know, uh, I saw a, a video or a demonstration by. A dentist on a, a documentary about fluoride a, a while back, and I remember him showing the warning on the back of the toothpaste label, which says if you swallow a, a pea-sized amount of toothpaste to call poison control. Yep. Yet doing the math, he showed how an eight-ounce glass of water holds just as much fluoride as is in that pea-sized amount of toothpaste. And, and think about that for a second. Look, okay, so say that again. There was a I couldn't I can't tell you the name of the documentary, but there was a documentary on how fluoride affected. Um, the autism rates and how it was a uh, a poison, right, or a toxin, right. And a dentist d- gave an example and he showed the back of a um, toothpaste uh, tube and the warning on it, which says if you swallow a pea-sized amount of the toothpaste, to call poison control, right. And he even put the little pea-sized amount on the toothbrush and said how it wasn't a whole, you know, toothbrush full of toothpaste. He said it's a small pea-sized amount. And then he put an eight-ounce glass of water next to it and said that if you were to take the pea-sized amount of toothpaste and how much fluoride that contains versus how much is in it in water, that would equal to it was equal to an eight-ounce glass of water. And you know that's put fluoride is put in in all muni- wa- uh, municipalities and water 
treatment centers in all across America and other countries. But this goes on to say that the disorders of neurobehavioral development affects 10 to 15% of all births and um, rates of autism spectrum disorder and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder seem to be increasing worldwide. Subclinical um, the brain functions and even more common, these neurobehavioral development disorders are affecting more and more each day. All these disabilities can have severe consequences. They diminish quality of life, reduce academic achievement, disturb behavior with profound mm-hmm. consequences That's for the right. welfare and productivity of entire societies. <laughs> the root cause of the present global pandemic of neurodevelopmental disorders are only partially understood, although genetic factors have a role they cannot explain recent increases in reported prevalence, and none of the genes discovered so far seem to be responsible for more than a very small proportion of cases. Overall, genetic factors seem to account for no more than perhaps 30 to 40% of all neurodevelopmental disorders. Thus, non-genetic environmental exposures are involved uh, in caution. Some cases are probably by interacting with genetically inherited uh, predispositions, but strong evidence exists that industrial chemicals widely disseminated in the environment are important con- uh, contributors to what we have called global silent pandemic of neurodevelopmental toxicity. And it goes on from there. I mean, this is like a, uh, it's a 659 uh, kilobyte PDF, so <clears throat> I'm not going to read even no. uh, well, well, half of this, but it, it says that the new findings about known hazards and it it says uh and singles out fluoride um as affecting not only IQ but having other cognitive defects in adults um uh, and those especially of young adults and children and showing the likelihood of having effects due to exposure relation in brain volume but they say the developmental neurotoxicity um has been occurring at at highly alarming rates. And we know the autism figures, whether it's one in 54 children have autism now. And I think from Dr. Ted Broder's research and findings, it'll be one in two two by 2030 or 2050, he said. It's some form of autism, which is just an incredible number. Yeah. So, well, see, the, this is the war against us on the uh, on, on that front, on the on the health front. Let me back up if I can, because I want to talk about a tactic. And and we had talked about uh, we we had talked about the war. We had talked about the war against Christians, but the the tactic. And I think that exposing tactics is is an important aspect of this. Um, but remember, remember when um, Obama went uh, when he said. The United States is no longer a Christian nation, right? We remember that, obviously. He never said that. Yeah. Well, um, and we know now, and let's work backwards from what we know. We know now that under Obama, and and this it was being worked up through Obama, but under Obama, the U.S. military training brief, the law enforcement training briefs, whether it's the MIAC report or whatever it is, has labeled have labeled uh, evangelical Christians, Bible believing Christians, as uh, religious extremists. Okay, so what we had, what for example, what the conservative Christians might have asked for for Muslims was turned inward uh, against uh, against uh, Bible believing evangelical Christians. So this is what we know. Now, the tactics, of course, the IRS is being used as a, as a weapon of 
uh, against uh, evangelical Christians. We know that. Lois Lerner need I say more? Okay, but what about the what about the uh, uh, the tactics that are being used right now? And, and, and what do we know from the various people that, that are involved in this? In this, uh, uh, how is this being sold, for example, to people within the body of the church? Because you would think, and, and now correct me if I'm wrong, you would think that we we have a war on all fronts, correct? We do. We have a war on all fronts, but there's a war against the church and of all of of all of all entities that that we that is the war has been declared upon. This being the church, you would think that we would have our act together enough to to, to fight it. But we see, but you see, we don't because there's too much there's too much di- di- disruption, diversion, and too much uh, 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 infighting and such. So we don't have our act together. And it's be, that tactic alone, by exploiting the church itself, is is being well. The tactic is to exploit the church because of the divisions within the church, and you could see it forming. And and, and I, I'm just going to make a couple of references here. When when Obama said this back in 2000, what was it? Nine, I guess it was, or whenever he said the United States is no longer a Christian nation. Yeah, two thousand nine. Yeah, many Americans they were they were stunned. They were stunned. And, and whatever we once were, I guess was the quote: "We're no longer just a Christian nation. We're also a Jewish nation, a Muslim nation, a Buddhist nation, a Hindu nation, a nation of non-believers." Okay, now that was David Brody that uh, with the Christian Broadcasting Network that he said this on. Now. Look at that statement, and again, we're examining tactics in the war, the multifaceted war against us. It, it's, it should give us insight into the tactics themselves, that statement, okay? In his speeches, in his politics, Obama has gone out of his way to marginalize Christianity, and we as Christians, we as conservatives, social conservatives, and Christians, I don't care if you're the the worst Christian on the planet, um, or, or you know, it doesn't matter. We should understand that we are being marginalized in order to be made, to, in order to be vilified, and ultimately subjugated under the yoke of tyranny. Now, in 1995, Obama um, had an interview, and, and a lot of people don't know this. He, he he agreed to an interview with a guy by the name of Hank D. Zutter. He was a writer for the Chicago Reader. In the interview, Obama accused the Christian right, or let me put it this way, the evangelical Christians of hijacking the moral high ground. Now, now, did you hear what I said? Hijacking the moral high ground. This is the tactic that's being employed by the enemies, our own enemies, within the church itself. It's always easier to organize, he said, around intolerance, narrow-mindedness, and false nostalgia. This is what Obama said. And they have also hijacked the higher moral ground with this language of family values and moral responsibility. Okay, he's attacking Obama, and this is not a news flash, but a deeper insight into the tactics of, of this war that, that we're fighting as Christians and as conservatives, social conservatives. Okay, now you jump to 2007 when when um, 
Obama was a, a mere uh, state senator and, and, you know, fresh off his community organizing days, he unleashed a, 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 he unleashed his wrath on conservatives once more by saying that, um, and, and this was at a national meeting of the United States, or I'm sorry, the United Church of Christ. Okay. We, think about that for a moment. Here he is at the United Church of Christ. And he's accusing evangelical leaders of exploiting and politicizing religious beliefs in an effort to divide the nation. Well, okay, why is this important? Because the United Church of Christ is one of the most left-wing denominations in the country. Um, and he's standing up there, and he's using the very people who are identifying themselves as Christians to further exploit and politicize our beliefs in an effort to divide the country. This is a tactic that is being used by the Alinskyite Obama, and we need to understand this because this is happening. This is, has reverberations right down through the church, every denomination, including the very ones that we are a part of, and it's being used to exploit. These people are crafty. Obama is crafty, and not just Obama, but but his his minions are crafty, and, and it's easy because he could say, "Well, faith got hijacked partly because of the so-called leaders of the Christian right, who are all too eager, all too eager to exploit what divides us." Saying that, "Hey, look, uh, family values, homosexuality, uh, homosexual marriage, this is a divisive issue," and blaming it on the church, but the church is embracing that very ideology, saying we need to be more tolerant. So, what is happening in the war on all fronts is the tactics of the communists, the, the tactics of the Marxists, the tactics of the pagans, or, or whatever you would ascribe to Obama and his soulless leaders and minions, are being used by the very people that we are associated with by exploiting the divisions within our own groups. This is what is taking place today. And we are, we are, we are seeing it happen right in front of our eyes. The second Obama was, was sworn into office, Obama, the minute, the, the second he was sworn into office, he continued this massive assault on the Christian faith with the intent to marginalize Christianity and silence everyone who follows the teachings of Jesus Christ. And this is the end goal. It's the end goal to eradicate the Christian faith from the public marketplace of ideas. End of story. Under Obama's tutelage leadership, U.S. military training brief, as I had said, was uh, was finished, completed, that named uh, evangelical organizations. As, as, as extremist organizations. IRS launching widespread series of attacks on Christian ministries, pro-life groups. You get up there, you talk behind the microphone. Don't you think for one second, don't think for one second that we are exempt from these attacks. Don't think for one second that you are exempt from these attacks because it is happening. War on all fronts. Yeah, we got fires everywhere around our perimeter. And you know something? We're on a wall. We're, if, if we are to be watchmen, and, and, and that's interesting because that, that, that whole characterization of being watchmen came under scrutiny and fire lately. But doggone it. You don't need, uh, look, I don't need to be, uh, I don't need a badge. Okay, and to be Sherlock Holmes to tell you, look, there's a body on the floor. Somebody was murdered here. There's a bullet hole right through his heart. 
okay, and no gun around. So I don't need to be Sherlock Holmes. I don't need the designation as a detective to tell you, hey, something bad happened here. There's a body on the floor. <laughs> we got a problem. Somebody murdered. You don't have to be a detective. You don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to understand that. So cut the crap with the with the you know the oh well, you got to be this or that and no 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 look we got a problem and as Dave Coach Dave Dobmeyer said at the beginning let's not exacerbate the problems let's fight the enemy not ourselves hey family uh, council there in Tennessee come on man we got we got big we got big problems here and what I was saying before the break and I just want to mention this as well. With all of this, don't you think, folks? I mean, isn't it interesting how... And I'm asking you to put your intellectual thinking caps on, though. I mean, let's have a discussion. I like Donald Trump in terms of what he's saying. I do. I I like him. I mean, he's saying all the right things. However, let's just... Hold on a minute here. Isn't that what was said about Hitler? Isn't that what was said? Because, man, you know, the... uh, What's-his-face? The uh, Kaiser... It didn't do the Germans any favors. And in fact, the Germans felt pretty beat up and, and divided and, you know, and boy, Hitler, he rallied the nation, didn't he? He rallied the people. And again, I'm making the distinction here or making the, the, um, uh, comparison not to demonize Donald Trump at all. I'm not doing that or any candidate. I, that's not what I'm doing. I'm, I'm looking if we are at a war, that war is, yeah, it's practical, it's spiritual, but it's also psychological too, isn't it? Yeah. Could, could it be? Could it be that we're being set up for for something really? I mean, boy, or we might be being set up. Okay. I mean, look, I I like Trump. I like what he's saying, but people liked Hitler too. Because he was saying all the right things. And again, I, I don't mean to demonize any candidate. I'm just saying we have to look at the bigger picture. Look, and we don't have to be Sherlock Holmes or designated detectives to know that there's some bad stuff here that just happened. You don't have to be a, you know, a detective to walk in a room and when you see bodies everywhere, there's, there's a homicide there. You don't have to, you know, doesn't take a detective to do that. So, use your smarts and, and, and see, are we being gamed, perhaps on a, on a larger level? Could it be a psychological game? Could it be a psychological situation here? What about the, what about the war against Christianity? Is this, will it be restored? See, this is the other thing. Will this war against Christians be restored by a man in power saying, okay, you can worship, you can say Merry Christmas, but having that, that Christianity being Oh, a not so, well, a state religion like Hitler did, as opposed to the real Jesus Christ scripture religion, as the Bible states. And that's kind of what I'm, I'm going for. Just, just please, everyone, the time is so short right now. Everyone has got to be on their guard everywhere. And, and, you know, that's, unfortunately, that's the, that's the way it is. We have to be on our guard. We have to understand that, we, that we're in an asymmetrical warfare. And uh, it's kind of like when we say, you know, enjoy the oil prices, but understand what's behind that. And that's a war against the asymmetrical war against Russia. And uh, and as Salenti says too, what is it? Currency wars. What is it? Uh, you can fill out that. You, you know, I'm talking about currency wars, something wars, bullet shooting wars, uh, currency wars, trade wars, and shooting wars. 
And that's what we're seeing right now. And with the multi-dry index, too, the fact that nothing's coming into this country. Down to 355. Yeah. So, okay. And, and so 14 points from Monday. Yeah. Right. And that does not mean that we're going to see the effects of that tomorrow because there's a lag time there. That we, we, we're going to see it, but it's not going to be tomorrow. And what's going to, what's going to happen? So what's going to happen when the, when the goods that are supposed to come in and come in here are not there anymore? The shelves are going to be empty. And some people argue for deflation, some inflation. Yeah, I get all that, but it's, it's going to be noflation because what are you going to buy if there's nothing here to buy? And, and the TPP, which is not talked about anymore. Who's talking about the TPP? Nobody. Well, this is all part and parcel to this, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. And don't forget that tra- the trade authority was given to Obama by this Congress, by the conservatives, by, by, by the, uh, you know, hey, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, they're selling off our, our birthright. They're selling off our future. They're subjugating us to, into this, into this madness. And you know the other thing too, while I'm at it. And tomorrow I'd like to maybe talk about this with your permission, but the death of David Bowie, the cover of The, uh, the Economist, I, and other deaths in, uh, in the, the music industry, the rock star uh, stuff, the programming, the MKUltra programming. And I mentioned something on the, on the show one time about Disney, about the evil nature of, of Disney. And, and I got an email saying, "Are you, you're out of your mind. And I mean, I could just see this person typing, saying, oh, Doug, you're just crazy. You're just, you're, you've lost your, you've lost your mind. He lost that a long you know? well, time it's, ago. Well, it's, yeah, you know, but see, I don't know whether this person just got off a teacup ride there at Disney or whatever, but um, no, Walt Disney was not a good man. No, there, 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 there. There's, there's this, this programming, and, and Paul McGuire talks about this. I mean, I mean, he gets into this, but there is such a deep, dark aspect to what's going on. I mean, deep and dark. I mean, deep and dark. Did I say deep and dark? And you see, the Super Bowl is coming up, right? February seventh. Eric, who's going to be in the in the um, well, this Coldplay and Beyonce. So All right, so far now. Didn't um, wasn't Beyonce who did the halftime show last year? Was that Madonna with her sitting in that weird chair? Well, let's see. A look in the audience. Because I think didn't Beyonce just do a Super Bowl halftime show. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know. What's this thing? All right. Anyway. All right, so uh, maybe we should get into that because I mean you've got the uh, when we say war on all fronts, we we can break it down because we've got the Katy, cycle Perry, Katy Perry twenty fifteen. There you go. What are they trying to tell us here? What are they trying to tell us with with all of these these things? They're they're what, what, as investigators now, and you don't have to be an investigator, but as investigators. Uh, let's look at the deeper evidence and look at the uh, at the significance of these various things that are taking place. Beyonce's last Super Bowl halftime show was 2013. Bruno Mars 2014. Katy Perry 2015. Thank you. And, and so there's significance in these in these things, and, and things like the uh, opening ceremonies of the Olympics and uh, author Marie Canis for prepare for persecution had sent me some information on this. They're going to be in Brazil here coming up. Well, there's a lot of voodoo aspects to this. And, for the, uh, uh, for the uh, soccer, Olympics. the Rio, oh, the Olympics. The Olympics in okay. Brazil. And it, it's actually, and, and Satanists, and she had talked to a, a former Satanist, and they said, look, you watch this, they're dragging you, they're make, making you a part of the of the ceremony. In other words, 
so I'm just saying for the Olympics now the uh, in Brazil don't forget the the influence of the the Vatican and, and this is oh yeah okay so um, you watch it you are actually taking part in whether you know it or not unwitting or winning but generally unwitting you're taking part in the Buddha ceremony and again people might say well that's just BS but no no because it's the same way with money you know money for example currency or uh, you know the dollar dollars we have the Federal Reserve notes we have in our pocket they have a significance they, it's like a talisman and they that's backed by nothing except the fact that we all agree it's worth something despite it's backed by nothing and that's going to change but having said all of that it's is we are participating in that in that magic with the K ceremony so having done a lot of research about music having done a lot of research about the counterculture having done a lot of research about the Nazi Germany having done a lot of research about the agenda for gun control and Bob Maggie is part of it uh, all of these different agendas here how where do they all connect where's that thread that connects them all well we when, when you when you get on when you start looking at things again as, as I like to say from a 35,000 foot level or cruising altitude level then you can see how everything interconnects and we need to identify that and understand for example to, um, to identify the interconnectivity of these events in order to understand what the Illuminati or the power Elite, if you will, the Luciferian elite are planning and what they could be planning. What does that mean to us? Does that mean a false flag operation could be? Does that mean a biological contaminant could be? What are they saying? Well, let's take all of the evidence on balance and take a look at it and dissect it. So tomorrow night we'll, we'll probably do that if that's all right with you. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And right. I got a couple of stories here. This one I don't quite understand. I just stumbled across it. It's a, uh, publication in the Federal Register today from the Department of Homeland Security, the Transportation Security Administration, intent to request renewal from OMB of one current public collection of information, pipeline operator security information. It says the TSA invites public comment on one currently approved information collection request, and it is uh, in compliance with the Paperwork Reduction Act, which has to do with the healthcare care uh, initiative. From what I understand, and this is, describes the nature of the information collection and its expected burden. Specifically, the collection involves the submission of data concerning pipeline security incidents. Um, and they say that the Office, Office of Information Technology and the DHS uh, are where people can uh, put their comments. I'm going to save this for myself and maybe give a more extended breakdown on what this actually is because it's not something that's not important. Um, this is an interesting article off InfoWars. U.S. harbors ISIS-linked terrorist. U.S. changes status of ISIS-linked group to protected organization. That's right. U.S. government harbors a number of exiled political groups, some self-styled governments and exiled, some banned opposition groups and parties, others groups that have carried out terrorist attacks. Some of the latter groups have close links to the Islamic State of Iraq and Levant, ISIL or ISIS. Some Republican presidential candidates and both Republican Democratic lawmakers in Congress have criticized the recent nuclear and sanction relief deal with Iran because they claim Iran harbors terrorist groups. And what they're referring to is Congress moves to block the payment uh, to Iran of $1.7 billion in taxpayer funds. The Obama administration has agreed to pay Iran $1.7 billion as part of a settlement agreement. Congress is considering legislation that would bar the Obama administration from moving forward on a cash 
payment to Iran of $1.7 billion in taxpayer funds, according to a copy of the legislation provided to the Washington Free Beacon. Obama administration officials confirmed to the Free Beacon earlier Thursday that it is using taxpayer-funded account to pay Iran $1.7 billion as part of a settlement agreement reached with the Islamic Republic ahead of the release of five imprisoned Americans. Critics of the agreement allege that the administration agreed to the payment in to spur Iranian to re- Iran to release the five Americans who were freed over the weekend. The news has sparked outrage on Capitol Hill and promoted Senator Jerry Morin uh, to file legislation Thursday afternoon that would bar the administration from moving forward with the payment until Iran pays millions in judgments awarded to the U.S. victims of its global terrorist network, according to the bill. The United States should not be funding governments that openly violate human rights uh, proudly disregard U.N. Security Council resolutions and call for the destruction of America and its allies, Moran said in a statement. This bill directs the U.S. government to put justice for American victims of Iranian terrorism ahead of compensation for the Iranian regime. Rather than incentivize state-sponsored kidnappings, the administration should remind the government of Iran that terror and hostage-taking are not for-profit enterprises, uh, Moran said. The bill would prohibit the use of funds to make payments to Iran uh, to, uh, relating to the settlement of claims that were brought before the Iranian United States Claims Tribunal. The legislation prevents federal funds from being used to ma- make good on this payment, which is likely to spark anger in Tehran. The money will only be made available once the president certifies to Congress that the government of Iran has paid all compensatory damages awarded to U- U.S. persons in a final judgment against Iran for past acts of terrorism committed against U.S. citizens. And I don't know how many of you heard, but the 79 Iranian hostage situation, each hostage was being paid up to $4 million, $1 to $4 million. Right. Um, But back to the initial uh, article, U.S. harboring ISIS um, political groups, exiled political groups. Yes, uh, yes. That's the nugget here. That's the... Look, this is the issue. Go on. I mean, that's the issue. Yeah. The uh, <coughs> recent me. nuclear deal with Iran. These opponents of closer U.S.-Iranian relations are referring to Iran's support for Hamas, Lebanese Hezbollah, and the uh, Houth, Houths of Yemen, all who have legitimate grievances against Israel, Israel and Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia and its proxy government, Yemen, respectively. The United States has aided and abetted two Iranian exile groups, one of which is the Mujaha Khalik, M-E-K, which has coordinated attacks against the Iraqi and Iranian governments with ISIS. The MEK, aside from uh, maintaining its support, offices in the U.S. have received support of such U.S. politicians as former New York Mayor Rudolph Giuliani, former CIA Directors James Woodsley, I'm sorry, Woolsley, and Porter Porter Goss from Homeland Security Secretary Tom Ridge, FBI Director Louis Frey, former House Speaker Newt Gingrich, and Attorney General Michael... um, Muskie, former Pennsylvania Governor Ed Randell, and Vermont Governor and Democratic National Committee Chairman Howard Dean. All of these and other supporters of MEK by default provide assistance to the MEK on-the-ground partner in Iraq, ISIS. The MEK also coordinates terrorist attacks in Iran with the Pakistani-based Iranian uh, Baluchi separatist group Jindal. And it goes on from there, giving a history of some of the terrorist activities that the MEK has uh, 
has uh, carried out and how now the U.S. has categorized it to protected organization of uh, as its foreign classification. But, again, the report, U.S. is harboring ISIS-linked terrorists. Of course. As Congress moves to block a payment of $1.7 billion in taxpayer money to Iran. And notice in the article it said taxpayer money. Um, this is an article from Breitbart. Exclusive former Pearson executive reveals anti-American agenda and common core. And I think this is interesting because some of our, this deals with the presidential candidates. Um, one thing Donald Trump has spoke out against is common core. And not many other presidential candidates have, as Marco Rubio, I believe, and I know Jeb Bush have supported it. Uh, of Common Core. Well, yeah, I don't know where Ted Cruz stands on let it. Me, okay, well, let me tell former, you a little bit about the, Common Core, though. What this says, a former marketing executive for textbook publishing giant Pearson Education reveals the anti-American agenda behind right. Common Core and the advanced placement U.S. <laughs> history frame, framework in the third video. You're talking about Kim Korber, the former Pearson yes. executive who now works as a sales consultant for yeah. National Geographic, which is like, happens to be a Gates Foundation-funded Common Core publisher. He tells a, This is with through Project Veritas, okay? They, they went undercover. you got to understand this, okay? Pro- Project Veritas went undercover. Breitbart had uh, an issue or uh, an article on this the other, I guess it was today maybe, where this former marketing executive, like you said, for uh, Pearson Education, said, look, this Common Core, the whole agenda is uh, behind Common Core and advanced placement is is nothing but an anti well it, it it's it's I was going to say anti white but it, it's a it's racist to its core mm-hmm. okay dead white guys did not create this country right. Corber says they presumably conservatives want to talk about those dead white guys well and, and this is the whole thing um, Corber said that uh, Common Core is, is absolutely necessary because it, it needs to be needs to to come uh, needs to become cohesion between the states. In other words, they need to standardize everything. Yes, you know she she says that Common Core is necessary. It needs to become uh, yeah. cohesion between yeah. the states. Yep, yep. As she pres- expresses her frustration that Texas keeps screwing it up over and over again. People who say they want to teach the Constitution only want to teach the part of the Constitution they like. As she told journalists who then asked her about the Second Amendment. But they don't want to teach all of it, she replies. Damn the Second Amendment. Of course. <laughs> you know, and if you watch the tape, you don't have to, we did. You can see that uh, Corber says that people are, that, are, that are not educated, um, uh, Fox TV viewers. Now, I think that's just a pejorative statement. Liberal people, groups. You know, yeah. Is that an oxymoron? Oh, man. They, they think that Common Core, this is Corber now, Kim Corber. Uh, so she says, I think... Uh, um, I think that Common Core, uh, they think that Common Core comes from the educated liberal groups and that's why they're against it. They don't know anything about it. They, they think that it's liberal so they're against it. That's what, I, that's what I think it is. It, it's a knee-jerk reaction. My mother, oh my god, she's a Fox person. If I could remove Fox from my television set, I would, you know, and it, it goes on. The mother of the Project Veritas journalist said, Wait a minute, wait a minute. These people in Texas are they really upset the? Uh, but these people in Texas, I'm sorry, are really upset that the Constitution is not being covered. Well, Corbus says, 
It is being covered, but not the way, but not the way they. And, and right. this has to do with the history. They're idiots. They don't know what's in it. See, these people are laughing at you and me. They're laughing at us because we don't know history, and we've been programmed. To, we've been dumbed down through through mind control programming and revisionist history, revised history. This is what it's all about: revised history. And and this Corber is laughing at every single one of us, saying, you know what, we can teach it because we know better than you, but it, it, it's we gamed it that way because, you see, uh, we're picking and choosing. We're cherry-picking the Constitution. And, see, we're teaching the kids what's the, what the Constitution, but we're, we're also gaming it so you don't know the whole thing, just part of it. And... Uh, uh, even Islam, in fact, Islam is part is part of this too. Reading some of this lady's comments, it's it, she answers. Uh, they're talking to Project Veritas journalists, and yeah, and yeah. the um, what's this lady? Her initials is KK. Kim. Uh, Kim. Yeah. Kim Corber. Kim. Kim. So Corber. they ask Kim uh, about the Texas, and if she's upset that the Constitution is not being covered, she says it is being covered, but not the way they want because they're idiots and they don't know what's in it. In the Project Veritas Journal says it is covered as much as it would have been. And, uh, KK says in 12th grade government, it certainly isn't in 5th grade government, it is. Project Veritas then asks, it's not a necessity for the kids. And then she says, you should know a little bit about it. You shouldn't have to memorize the thing. Republicans want to get in there and talk about stuff and change things about school stuff because they want to. They want to influence what is being taught. Common Core does not put up with that. Okay, now, now let's stop here because you, you can look. No, you, yeah, you, you, you you can read. For example, you, people can go out there I mean, and find articles. What they're trying to, what she's yes, saying here, yes. that, uh, she's claiming that Republicans want to get in there and change things about the school curriculum because they want to influence what's being taught. But see, it's but not Common Republican. Core doesn't do that. She said, uh, uh, "No, no, I, I, and I understand that." But see, what what people aren't aren't getting is a bigger picture here, and we're we're all about the bigger picture. Uh, so who's who's publishing the materials for Common Core? It happens to be Pearson Education. Who's Pearson Education? Well, it's a book. It's, it's, it's a it's a it's a educational book. It's a British owned. Okay, listen carefully. This is British owned. This is UK okay. owned. They're they're owned by the by Great Britain. Uh, it's, it's a British. I shouldn't say owned by Great Britain. It's a uh, British uh, owned education and publishing assessment service that caters to schools and corporations, and directly to students as well. Pearson owns educational media brands, including okay. Now here's where it gets interesting: Addison Wesley, Peach Pit, Prentice Hall, Prentice Hall, Prentice Hall, E College, Longman, uh, Protopecia, and others. Now they. Pearson is part of Pearson PLC. Guess who they formerly owned? They formerly owned the Financial Times. It was created back in 1998 when Pearson mm, PLC purchased the educational division of, of who? Simon and Schuster. Let's just follow the bouncing ball, shall we? All right. So uh, they purchased the educational division of Simon and Schuster from where? Giant Viacom and merged it with their own ed- education division. So so what you have is TV producers and and TV uh, uh, right, executives. Right. The partnerships here, and I'm sorry for popping the peas. I gotta. I gotta no, that's that there's a lot of peas there. I see. Pa, 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 pa. But so anyway, the, the formerly uh, the fi- a company that owned Financial Times. Right. But but but, but see, 
the incestuous relationship, and, and this goes back to the Tavistock Institute. This goes back to the Rhodes Scholarship. My mom, I remember her saying, he should be a Rhodes Scholar. You know, and I used to think, oh, boy, Rhodes Scholar. Wow, I loved it. You know, she, she wanted me to be a Rhodes Scholar because that was like the epitome of, of education back in the day, and it still is apparently. However, what is a Rhodes Scholar? To, to become a Rhodes Scholar like Bill Clinton, you've got to re- renounce your not citizenship, but your allegiance to your own country. Did you know that? Did you know oh, yeah. that? Okay. So, okay, but anyway, when you when you take a country uh, or a company like uh, uh, Pearson, and, and you know, i got to be careful here because you don't want to get sued, right? Um, uh, you, 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 you kind of follow the bouncing ball of money and incestuous, the incestuous nature of things. The um, Go back to 2012. And uh, think about this. Test that uh, Pearson designed for the New York State Department of Education. Uh, how many people know this? They contained like a, I mean, a ton of errors, over two dozen, like 30 errors that caused controversy. One of the, how many people remember this? One of the most prominent was there was a featured passage about a talking pineapple on the eighth grade ELA test. Okay, eighth grade talking pineapples. That to me, that just doesn't make sense. But okay. Um, it was revealed at the time to be based on Daniel Pinkwater's The Story of the Rabbit and the Eggplant, with the eggplant changed into a pineapple. And it's, uh, really, okay, eighth grade, this is what we're doing in eighth grade. All right. Well, anyway, there was a big public outcry. The New York State Department of Education announced it would not count the questions in the scoring because, see, this is all about standardizing the scoring, which means, and let me... Let me child left behind. Yeah, see... We don't keep score, or when we do, we <laughs> alter the scores. Remember the grading on a curve, folks? We, yeah, okay. We're in a grade on a curve. Huh? So, wait a second. If I remember that correctly. Uh, yeah. Like, I remember take you the highest test right. score, and then they use that as the 100%. So it, it okay. So if if everyone gets like uh, out of about a hundred uh, questions, the test has got a hundred questions. If everyone just gets ten of those questions right, then the at, person that got the ten will get the hundred percent. Right. And, and then the person that only got uh, five right out of the hundred questions gets fifty well, percent. Yeah, I mean you're not you know totally stupid, right? Oh my word! I used to hate when they would grade on a curve and then somebody would get a hundred percent. Kind of really getting kind of yeah. Well, look, you know, so, so you gotta understand uh, the the devilish devilish nature of these people, but but also understand they're laughing at you because you're not paying attention. And I don't mean to yell or rant. I don't want to sound like I'm ranting. I'm just being being forceful. They're laughing at us. They're they're saying, you know, you're so stupid. And, and isn't it great that we could put pull one over on you guys? Yeah, I mean, and, and I can just imagine them in their little smoke-filled mm-hmm. basement rooms in some Saudi mansion off, you know, off of George Washington Parkway or the Chain uh, Chain Link Bridge or whatever. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you know, making these things up uh, and doing these things because, see, uh, really, this is it's just as, as they do wake up, and, and I imagine not in so many words sit around and wonder how can we destroy humanity yes. today. You know, one other thing too. Uh, this is something we we uh, um, this is part of it, I, I suppose. This is part of what the war. You know, everyone thinks uh, I shouldn't say everyone. There are a lot of people who deify or attempt to deify uh, Vladimir Putin. 
Remember old uh, Alexander Litvinenko? I have no idea who that is. Come on, you do too. We've talked about this. Don't make me use a Nerf bat. Please refresh my memory. All right. All right. Well, anyway, it's, it's CNN reported this. Uh, there was a report that came out today. There was an investigative report that came out today. Russian President Vladimir Putin probably approved the operation by Russian agents to kill former FSB spy Alexander Litvinenko back in 2006. <coughs> there was a, there, I read the report today um, that, that was published, and you can find it in the PDF format. Very interesting. It, uh, a I remember lot, the case. Of, that was, it was poisoned by polonium. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, he, he, he this okay. Polonium two ten. Okay, is, is how he was poisoned, and he was poisoned through a cup of tea, a pot of tea, and it was done in London. It was done by two FSB agents. Now Litvinenko, and I'm going from memory here That's from this report. Nasty, okay, right. Um, Lit- Litvinenko was also a spy, a double agent with MI6. All right. Now, uh, okay. And his father at one point, uh, more recently came out and said, well, if my son was a double agent working for MI6, he was a traitor and he basically deserved to die. And I'm paraphrasing that, of course, but this report that came out because, uh, and, 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 but Litvinenko, uh, he wrote a, he wrote a couple of, or he wrote one good book, uh, um, he wrote one book that was good, and I'm just trying to find the name of it. I, I don't have it in front of me, but at any rate, the, the report on his murder just came out, and it describes the uh, uh, the responsibility right to Putin. Okay, bottom line, right to Putin. Now, um, let's see here. I just want to make sure because this is important to understand. You've got uh, let's see here. Okay. Um, he was he was poisoned. I think on the he, it took like three, three weeks for him to die. He was poisoned on on uh, Wednesday, November first, two thousand and six. He died on the twenty third of November. Uh, there were the 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 Russian spies, folks. Listen to this. The Russian spies in London had uh, this polonium two ten, which is extremely. I mean, you, you, you ingest it, you die. Okay, end of story. They actually went to forty different taverns or restaurants with polonium two ten. Can you believe that forty? Okay, and actually took the polonium two ten to forty different restaurants before the one restaurant they put it in a teapot, and not only killed Litvinenko but exposed uh, all of the not all all but anyone in the area to this poison. So others were sickened as well. But you don't hear about that. So this investigation was conducted. Litvinenko was 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 murdered. Litvinenko, um, he, he met he, where this happened was at the Millennium Hotel there in the Pine Bar. He met with two guys, Andre Lugovi and Dmitry, uh, uh, what was it, Kovtin, I think it was. Anyway, there were two, two Russian spies. He counted as business contacts, the bottom line. He, uh, ingested this tea. Hours later, he began hurling and, you know, tossing chunks and they put him in the hospital and they're like, well, uh, we don't know, man. He does show some signs of radiation poisoning. The last thing, it just happened to be an accident, more or less. When they did some tests, that bang! Hey, wait a minute! This is polonium, polonium two hundred and ten. And the the thing is, the polonium two hundred and ten can only come from a, a bank, a radiation bank, if you will, that has where a state, a nation state, controls that. And it was traced back to Russia. And this this report highlights this fabulous investigation. 
and they connect the dots. Well, what was, why was he killed? Why was he killed? Why was Litvinenko killed? What was the motivation? And, and why? Why polonium? Well, he actually managed to survive 26 different, or 23 or 26 different, uh, um, assassination attempts. He wrote a book exposing Russian, uh, I, I want to say that the best way I could describe it would be Russian and Putin fascism. Now, you might think, well, wait a second, that doesn't even make sense, fascism. Well, that would be, in my view, the most, uh, uh, accurate term for what he was exposing. Putin's involvement in personal enrichment using government assets and his uh, his uh, trajectory within the government. And he was exposing this, and others as well. And also he had, he had uh, written a book earlier about the Chechnyan bombing, the Second Chechnyan War, where there was a bombing, uh, the apartment building bombing I think 199, 200 people were killed, or maybe 300 people were killed. And that was a false flag operation done by the FSB in Russia in order to uh, create war in Chechnya, a second war in Chechnya. So the bottom line is he was exposing all the secrets. It would be on par with with somebody here in the United States saying, well, look, I, I've i got information that 9-11 was, was an inside job by, I don't know, by Bob Smith or Dick Cheney or whoever, you know, or... You know, General George, uh, who's his name? Okay, whatever. Don't matter. Doesn't matter. And, and then, of course, being being taken out. This is what this is the equivalent, the Russian equivalent of something like that. So, it, it, why does it matter today? Because we are seeing now, when we talk about war on all fronts, we're seeing the 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 chess pieces by the globalists, and, and be sure that uh, the globalists are, are hard at work in Russia, getting Russia involved in and engaged in a war that will call the population and uh, even perhaps engage us, engage us, America, and if you're wherever you're listening to this in the West, engage you folks, your militaries in the West against Russia. So the bottom line is Litvinenko is all about exposing all of this and at the order or at, with the okay approval of Vladimir Putin Two of these uh, these spies went out and poisoned him with uh, polonium two ten, and his widow, uh, uh, I think it's Marina, she's not a happy camper. She ain't happy. Now, Litvinenko's father says, "Ah, he's a traitor. He should be, you know, traitors should be shot." I'm not sure if he said his son should be shot, but traitors should be shot. I think it was what um, was the, the the key. But see, but what we're seeing now is this exposure as we see the war widening we're seeing this exposure of it for the the uh, shouldn't say exposure well the exposure yeah sure the revelations of information and it's becoming more and more so i i want to throw that in there because i if you haven't seen the report you can just search it using your favorite search engine just put litvinenko investigation report and you'll find it it's really it's it's an interesting read it's a long read but it's an interesting read that connects all the dots and how this guy, you know, how he met his end and, uh, you know, uh, really what the report means for the UK. And that, that's because this is, this is, uh, having it released now has an impact between the UK and Russian relations, which means West and Russia relations. What does this do? Why now? 
Well, once again, this investigative report will be weaponized, and it will be used to, um, in the in the bank of reasons to cut off relations or to exacerbate the relationship between the UK, the West, and the, and Russia. So we are being pushed right into this. It's, that's not to say it's it, it it it's not legitimate, but it's to say that this is being trotted out now at this point. Look, this was nine years ago, eight years ago. Now, and they they knew basically this eight years ago, but now it's being brought out, and it's going to be used to exacerbate the relationship between the West and Russia. Understand, this is three-dimensional chess war on all fronts. So I wanted to bring that out because I thought it was interesting. You can read the report as it's, and, and this also involves Ukraine tensions yeah. as well. Man, I, you know what? Another show, show flew by. One more headline. Wow, 2015. Sorry about that. And we can pick up on this tomorrow. Um, 2015 saw the most violent persecution of Christians in modern history. The brutal worldwide persecution of Christians during the past year makes 2015 the most violent and sustained tax on Christian faith in modern history, according to a watchdog organization that's been monitoring Christian persecution for decades. Open Doors, an organization founded in 1955 to assist persecuted Christian, published its annual World Watch List, documenting attacks on Christians and ranking the most hostile nation, national environments for believers. And the 2016 World Watch List documents an unprecedented escalation of violence against Christians, making this past year the most violent and sustaining attack on the Christian faith in modern history. Oh, man. As Christians, we need to gird up, arm up, be... Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And I want to thank Rhonda. I want to thank JD. God bless you both. You do a great job. Eric, of course, does a fantastic job there behind the controls. And each and every one of you listening and also Todd from Global Star, thank you. Folks, God bless you. Till tomorrow. Have a great night. Doug and Joe have left the building. This is the Global Star Radio Network.